All right, so I'm going to assume that we're uh, on the air right now. Who knows if we're broadcasting? Sarah? I don't know. I can't tell. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. So here's... Uh, and we're still wearing them because we're monkeys. Because I'm an idiot, I'm still wearing my headphones even though they're not working. Uh, so you're taking yours off. I'm, I'm leaving mine on. I've got to take Because them I'm off. a creature. But because if I take my headphones off, then the whole world ceases to exist. Wait, this is weirding me out. Now it's like I'm hearing the weird delay feed because I'm just getting the bleed proof and the board into my headphones. All right. So here's what just happened. Uh, so Sarah and I just began our preparations to begin today's excursion into amusement. And by the way, I have no idea if there's something playing underneath this. I have no idea if there's a music bed interrupting me. I knew something me. sounded weird this morning. For all I know, there could just be a team of Oompa Loompas screaming in the background uh, while, we, uh, while we broadcast. There's actually no feed going into my headphones, and there's no feed going into Sarah's headphones. Richie Bristol, what do we know, and when did we know it? He's not here. Are we calling Matt? Okay, please do me a favor and call Matt, and if Matt's not there, just call every single person in the engineering department until you get a, an answer from somebody. That'd be fantastic. So, right. so uh, and yet I continue to wear my headphones. So here's what you need to know. So I am in a, uh, I'm in, yeah, I'm in a, a, in, in a radio station booth right now. So I am sitting behind a microphone. The best part right now is, is that people are calling and that I can't take the calls because I wouldn't be able to hear them. So I'm in a radio station booth. We're sitting behind microphones, and there are these big-ass speakers uh, sitting up above us, these monitor speakers, and we've all got headphones as well. Mm -hmm. As soon as you turn on the microphone, it turns off the monitor speakers. So imagine if you were standing in the middle of your living room, and you got a stereo, uh, and you started to sing into the microphone in the middle of the living room. You get feedback because it creates a, you know, it's like an endless loop of sound. What happens here is, as soon as we turn on a microphone, it turns off the monitor speakers so that we don't get a bunch of shrieking Jimi Hendrix, I'm a voodoo child, uh, feedback. And we are then reliant totally on our headphones. So as soon as we turn on the mics, the monitor speakers turn off, they are muted, and we have to use our headphones uh, to hear anything and everything that happens on the air, which is why you hear us get so freaked out every time we don't have headphones. It totally throws you off. Like it makes you feel completely wonky. Yeah. So if we don't. So if you, if you, some days that Sarah come in, she'll have left her headphones at home. Like yesterday, or, I was a little thrown off because I had to borrow headphones. Or if a weekender has absconded with them or sold them for drug money, which happens constantly, or if they're broken or something, it, it, it will weird you out because everything is being filtered into your headphones, right into your head. So. Without your headphones, you have uh, nothing. So just now, we finished the recap, and Sarah said, "Okay, we're ready. Let's get the let's get the, the show clip to be you know the, the beginning of the of the show, the movie clip that we're going to play, and you know, let's let's prepare to bring a, a whimsy to the people." And I put on my headphones, and at the same moment, Sarah and Richie and myself, because we're all sitting here in the studio, at exactly the same moment, all of us said, "Why that's odd? I can't hear anything in my headphones." And we all kind of looked it up at each other, and you could hear a sort of Scooby Doo like a. Thing going on in our head, and I was and I was mouthing the words at Sarah. Do you have headphones? And she said no. And she said, Richie, do you? And Richie said no. And so right now, none of us have any idea what is actually going on over the air, which fills me with all kinds of comforting thoughts, as you can imagine. I have no idea uh, what these folks on hold would say. I'd answer the phones, but I wouldn't be able to hear them. Uh, I have, in fact, no idea if my voice is even being broadcast. I'm speaking into this microphone, which could, for all I know, just it, be unplugged. I have heard, and, and people can actually hear us talking, although okay. we can't hear ourselves. Uh, here's a dumb question, Sarah. Is there anything real wonky that's changed on the board? Do we know? No, I'm looking, and everything's in program and uh, T-Mix. All right. You're on the radio. Yeah. Thank you, Richie. Richie says we're on the radio. What was that? I don't know. It's Richie's ringtone. Who are we calling, Richie? Hmm. 
All right. Is Matt's on the phone right now? Uh-huh. We're speaking to Matt Green, who is chief engineer will you, for uh, Richie, will uh, you our studios ask, here. Um, Matt, if it's supposed to be in T-Mix yeah. right now? Will you, um, Are we supposed to be in yeah, you find out exactly what's going on with that? Will you do me a favor and not leave the... All right. I'll just stay here. <laughs> Why does he keep leaving? So anyway, Sarah, how are you today? I am doing... Uh, not so. I guess <laughs> theoretically, <laughs> it's this is like a weird uh, tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it. It's like if I don't have headphones on, the show isn't really happening. Yeah. Like if I can't hear my own voice, there really is nothing taking place. All right. So Richie. No, I can't hear him. <laughs> for the love of God, aren't you on your phone talking to him right now? Yeah, but I called the bad service. Oh, for the love of okay, Christ. Okay, All right. Well, you know what? I'm just going to begin the show here. I'm not going to play any sound. We won't play the opening bed because I would have no idea what level to run it at. I wouldn't know if it was too loud. I wouldn't know if it was too quiet. I, I know, know I can, if it was I, actually a flock of penguins that are just walking underneath. I feel comfortable doing it. I, I run the board. Are you sure? You're going to run it by. Uh, you, you're going to run it by sight. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so that's Richie uh, Bristol answering the warm line. I think in the background, which is probably one of the engineers deciding <laughs> to uh, tell us. It's just a phone. Go pick it up. For the love of God. <laughs> oh, radio. Good Christ right. almighty. Let's, uh, right. let's start dreaming. Are you running the bed? Mm-hmm. No, not yet. This is Dream Theater. Now, here's the thing. You're going to start the Dream Theater bed right now, but I'm not going to know where the post is. I have no idea. Let's see how my muscle memory works. Okay. okay. Realize now, as you were listening to the Rick Emerson radio program, I didn't mean to yell at Richie just now, but it's just... I know. You're kind of scary. It's just... It's just a phone. It seems like he could just go pick up the warm line. Well, you heard now, me get absolutely no question answered with the T-Mix thing. Which has now been, uh, which has now been hung up on. Oh, good God. All right. We're going to test so our muscle memory. Yeah. Realize now that as you are listening to this program, Sarah and I cannot hear anything. We cannot hear the music underneath us. We cannot. Hear, we can really only hear our own voices because we're actually in this room with each other. Mm-hmm. If Sarah and I were in different rooms, we couldn't even hear each other. All right. You're going to play the Dream Theater bed. Maybe if I turn off our microphones for... Oh, wait, but you want to test your... But I want to be able to, you know... Mm-hmm. So you're going to start it, and now I am just going to go on pure instinct, Sarah. This is going to be pure broadcasting genius. Okay. This is like snatching the pebble from your hand on Kung Fu, or lifting that thing that goes and burns the inside of your forearms. Tell me when you've started it, and I uh, will attempt to f- deduce where the post is, just on pure uh, Jedi spidey sense. Okay. And then I'll have to listen back to it later today. You know, to see if I actually. <laughs> well, this compelling, solid gold segment. All right, we are now beginning the program. Now. Oh. Greetings. No, no. Twelve. Mm. Wait. Hold. It's 12 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of February in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and overfunded studios of AM. Really, there's just, there's too much funding for all the technical things here. In fact, I would say at this point, uh, our our technical and engineering budget is actually just much bigger than it needs to be. I, uh... I think I might actually just write Les Moonves a check uh, today and just send it to him. And just say, look, I, uh, this is sort of like when Microsoft overpaid uh, their severance. I might actually just send a check saying, look, um, you've given us so much money and so many resources here to make sure that we can provide a quality broadcast every day. 
you know, as part of creating a revenue stream uh, here at CBS, that, uh, that, you know, we've done uh, so much with so little that really we're not going to need the rest of this massive equipment budget that CBS has given us. And this platoon of engineers uh, we have here that grows larger by the day, I would say probably right now, engineering-wise, We've probably got 15 or 16 full-time engineers working here at CBS because, of course, that is uh, you know, that is the CBS way. But, you know, I would say, really, if we absolutely had to, I mean, in some crazy uh, nightmare scenario, like in an alternate world. Like if, like if we came into the studio and, like, our headphones weren't working? I mean, that's crazy, like, talk, Sarah, but if yeah. that were to happen... I'm just getting, like, as far-fetched out there as I can. In some bizarro world... Uh, you know, uh, where things uh, it might happen that would throw us off at the beginning of uh, of this program. I'd say we could probably get by with as few as maybe three or four people running the entire engineering operation, which I know is, I mean, it's ludicrous. And I hope that that day never comes. But I'm just saying we uh, we would be able to persevere. All right. Later on, by the way, I'll be actually acting out some phone calls. I will be uh, playing both caller and host. Did Richie just hand you your phone back? All right. Remind me to apologize to Richie later on. I didn't mean to yell. All right. I went all Don Geronimo there for a second. It just seems like getting somebody on the phone. Really, this, here's the thing. This, the fact that I can't uh, actually hear myself, the fact that I don't know what the bed is, uh, the fact that uh, really is just going to be us uh, playing tiddlywinks with ourselves later on, that seems like an issue that takes a lot of doing to solve. Really, figuring out how to call somebody on the phone shouldn't be like... Well, I'm just for the shortest distance between two points. I'm for, you know, whatever phone actually works. I'll just take working at this point. I don't even need stylish. I don't need stylish. I'm leaving my headphones on because at some point yes. I'm expecting this to miraculously fix itself. Rick, my microphone has been off for the past. <laughs> I've been talking to you, and since we can't hear ourselves, I just looked at my microphone's been off for God knows how long. Really? Really? Microphone hasn't even been on over there. My microphone has not been on. See, now that's... Now, see, but that is, in fact, your fault. Isn't there a big red light over there? No, there's a big red light, but I got distracted by everything and turned it off when I was talking to You were distracted by all the silence? All right. Uh, By the way, uh, no one has pointed out... Well, somebody says this is just you and Sarah talking, no music, so apparently you could actually be heard. I wonder if you were just heard in the background of my microphone. Hey, look at this. Colin says, Rick, you did, in fact, hit the post on Dream Theater. In your face, everybody. That's right. That's how Rick Emerson rolls. This is how I do the show if I was deaf, uh, like Rush Limbaugh. Like if I just woke up one day and was like, and was uh, unable to actually speak with my normal uh, mellifluous tones. This is how I would have to do the program. This is how Rush actually did the program uh, when his uh, when his ears went all bonky because of uh, because of oh, the bonky. the oxy whatever codone uh, cotton cotton. I, yeah, I don't know what that is actually. The difference between oxycodone and oxycotton is oxycotton is long lasting and oxycodone is like a short term drug. Okay. I do believe. Anywho, so there was that whole thing where Rush was getting all uh, drugged up, and I believe, I don't know there's a direct uh, correlation, but they said that, that is one of the things that may have contributed to the fact that his uh, the cochlea in his ear went all, they went all uh, skiwampus, and he wasn't able to hear anything. And so I've told this story before, but it's just insanely creepy because there was this long period of time. Is there a mono bed playing underneath me right now? I think so. I just want to make sure. Just so I know the proper rhythm. Let's see, I'm going to tr- turn it up high for a second. Because here's, yeah, yes. it's here's the thing. Then in my head, I can have it looping in my head, and it's almost like I'm hearing it mm-hmm. in real life. Um, this is how Beethoven had to construct all of his late period symphonies, by the way. 
Uh, so later, I'll actually be putting a piano on the floor of the studio with no legs, and I'll be uh, pl- placing my ear against the hardwood ground and uh, and hitting the keys really hard. That sounds magical. And then we'll all drink. Uh, so <laughs> there was this whole period of time that where Rush uh, had lost his hearing, where he was losing his hearing, and then and then it was almost totally gone. And yet he didn't really want to tell anybody about it because of the blah blah blah. The hey, why is your uh, you know blood bloodstream full of hillbilly heroin and this whole thing? So he wasn't really talking about it, and he was trying to. They were trying to sort of solve it in a low key way. And there was this weird period of time for like three or four months where you'd listen to the Rush Limbaugh program. And Rush normally he has that big bombastic voice, like greeting us, conversationalists across the fruited plain. But he had. It, it sounded like he was getting real adenoidal, which means you're kind of talking on the back of your throat uh, like this. Uh, or sometimes you're swallowing your words a little like this, and it just starts to get you start to sound a little bit like um, like Tom Brokaw. And people would actually call up and they would say, "Hey, what's up with Russia's voice? It sounds all weird." And the network, this is the lie that they uh, that they chose to peddle. The network, when trying to explain why Russia's voice sounded all strange, they just said, "Oh, it's some new." Uh, Processing we're using, which is one of those answers you can give because the average the person doesn't know what processing is or what, or what it does, and so that that was a totally believable lie. Processing is really just like an equalizer. Uh, processing is just it's like a uh, it's it's like that thing on your like your dorm room stereo, like the component stereo you got from Best Buy for like fifty bucks. That's like the dual cassette deck and the and the, the tape, you know, the uh, the CD player, and then like the two little speakers. Mm-hmm. And there's just that little six-band equalizer, which is the little sliders that you move up and down. That's what radio processing is. So they tried to blame all of Russia's vocal problems on that. Um, you know, which, which of course, you know, didn't really fool uh, anybody who knows what they're talking about. And then eventually, like, Russia gone totally deaf. And there is this weird swath of shows he did where he, not unlike us now, was totally deaf. Except I don't even think he could hear his own voice because he was, I mean, I guess if you're deaf, <coughs> pardon me. I guess if you're deaf, maybe you can hear. Well, like it's probably like talking with earplugs in. Here's the weird thing. I was actually going to take some calls. Uh, to, to, this is like a deaf like me kind of a thing. Suddenly, I know what it's like to be handicapped, Sarah. You're so deep. No, no, no. <laughs> I think this has given me a broader you know, I think sense just... of empathy. Yeah. You know? And uh, for other people, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be the same after today, Sarah. This does feel really, really weird. Sarah, suddenly I, Rick Emerson. I have had, uh, I've had my eyes, not so much my ears, but my eyes open to some things. My ears remain firmly closed to everything but the sound of my own glorious voice. And mine too. And yours. It's my microphone. When your mic is uh, is on. Um, I I really feel like after today I can't go back to uh, to the way I was, Sarah. Now that I know what it's like to not be able to hear. I feel like I will appreciate my headphones uh, a little bit more. Here's the strange thing, and by the way, if you're wondering why today's program sounds a little odd here at the beginning, it's because when it sounds odd to you. At least it sounds like something to you. It doesn't sound like anything to us because our headphones aren't working. And here's the thing. I live in fear that they're going to come in and say that it's just some button that says, like, headphones on, off, that we've forgotten to press or that we didn't know how to press. Because I'm looking at it, and that's the only thing that has been a problem before is the T-Mix, and he said that's fine. So that shouldn't be an issue. All right. No. In any event, so there was this long swath of programs rushed it where he had gone totally deaf almost. And And the thing is, I don't know if you are... If you are deaf, I, I don't know if you can hear your own voice or not, because there's that whole thing about about how it's not actually your ears as such. It's like it goes to your brain, but that that's conducted like your your a jaw of all things actually conducts a lot of the sound, which is why they can they're talking about doing those like microchip, uh, you know, those like minuscule radios that go into one of your teeth, and then it just conju- conducts the sound like right into your skull or something. So I don't know if you can hear your own voice when you're deaf. That's a thing we'll figure out later. 
We're going to put that right next to uh, what do blind people see uh, when they take acid. All right. Deaf here. Um, so, but he certainly couldn't hear the callers, Rush, when he was when he was deaf and doing the show. And what they did is they hired a typist to come in. And they had, uh, like a, what do you call it, not a, a, a typist or a stenographer or something or other, to come in and actually be typing the show at, you know, on a screen for him to watch as he was doing it. So, in other words, Rush would come on and he would say, And now we're going to take another call from Akron, Ohio. Ted, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Or you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. And then the call would come on the air. And then as the caller was speaking, there would be this typist, like a court typist, who would be typing, like transcribing the caller's comments onto a computer screen that Rush would then read, and then he would respond. So he'd say, and welcome to the EIB network. How, you know, what, please, please not to speak to the nation. And the caller would say, well, Rush, I just want to say uh, that uh, Ditto's from the heartland, and I want to thank you for helping to blah, 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 blah. And... He would then read the comments, and he would respond on the air to the caller, which, of course, is weird because there's, like, all this lag time. So you would hear this strange chunk of programs where, like, it, it was like the show had been sort of recorded in one language, dubbed into something else, redubbed into a different language, and then had actually been dubbed over once more, and nothing synced up quite correctly. And during this whole time, by the way, they're, they're blaming everything on the processing, just like we do here. Except for the remainder of today, I'm going to blame everything on the processing and... I'm going to pick an enemy today to blame everything on. Today I am blaming everything on City Commissioner Dan Saltzman. So, anyway, so not unlike uh, uh, that uh, Rush program, that is today, uh, where Sarah and I are in here broadcasting. And, of course, I would say doing so with our usual efficacy and genius, but totally unable to hear ourselves. In fact, if I may be a, phil you know, a philosophical host for just one moment and indulge in just the slightest bit of uh, navel-gazing and self-assessment, really... In some ways, this is probably how uh, this is probably how it's all going to end for me anyway. Just sitting <laughs> sitting by myself, uh, really. The only person hearing my own voice will be me. The only person caring about what I'm saying will be me. And then I'll soil myself, and they'll take me out onto the porch uh, for lunch. Well, this is such a bummer that we're all thrown off because, it, like, I had good stories from last night. You know, Sarah, you may be thrown off, but here's the thing: I feel like the rest of my senses have come alive. <laughs> I feel like I can see for miles and miles. Well, I'm noticing how bad it smells in here. No, no, no. The, the tactile sensations I'm getting off this formica, I mean, it can't even be... This is how Ronnie Millsap must feel all the time, but like, but like you know, with, with, with hearing or, or something. I want, see, now, I feel like all of my meals will have an ever more vibrant taste to them today as uh, my senses have been closed off. I almost want to duct tape my eyes shut just to see if everything feels like three times as good as opposed to twice as good. Can we talk about something else? <laughs> what? Oh, great. I can't even tell if I... That was irony there. I said what? Oh. Never mind. And, uh, of course, over here pushing buttons. And... Well, let's... Court, what I'd do uh, if I were you is I would just uh, jab the buttons harder and harder and harder and then occasionally pull out two wires and just switch them. I can just drop my fist over and over on the board until something cracks. Please do that. Get Chuck Knopf in here to spill some orange juice into the board. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, it's uh, 1126 here on the Rick Everson radio program. So we're going to take a break here. Uh, we're going to have some uh, messages from our many, many, many paying sponsors who have chosen the Rick Emerson Show as an outlet for you to hear about their goods and services, what with this troubled uh, economy and all. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this, and uh, we will continue. It's 503-733-2970. Go ahead and call, like, just to amuse yourself. It's 503-733-2970. 
970. Hey, you know the you know what we could do? What? You and I, Sarah, if we had cell phones, although Richie was doing that like, I can't get service. You and I could actually call the on-air lines ourselves and be on hold, and we could actually monitor ourselves by holding a phone, by holding the phone up to our ears. All right. Wait, are we back? Hers works. Yours. All right. No, no, no. Whoa, wow, whoa, hey. What the hell is that? All right, hold on. Hold on. All right, there we go. Hey, all right. Hey, it's back. What was that all about? Uh, somebody took out a program one on the... Uh, but it was always, it's always up here, usually. Well, uh, not anymore. <laughs> In your face, whoever. <laughs> awesome. Stuck on that, right. engineering. Yeah. All right. Court uh, Weber from Rock 101K. Thank you, Court. Thank you, sir. All right. You know, Sarah, I miss being deaf. Oh, this level is really good. You know? at my job even when I can't hear. I feel like all my other senses are deadened again. And I don't know how to love anymore. All right. Mm. Wait, this isn't like a thing where it was just one button that had to be pressed, was it? Mm. You know how sometimes I can play it, like, from this screen on, like, it, it changes every day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like the button that puts us on air changed. All right. Well, that's great. That's awesome. All right. Thank we'll do you. it live! I'm sorry, Richie. I didn't mean to yell at you. That's the thing sucks! All right. Hey, back after this with, uh, who are we talking to when we come back? I don't even know. Uh, I don't know anything anymore. Amanda or Steve? Right. One of the two. Uh, we're going to come back. We will talk to, uh, Cena Radio Correspondent. No, Ed McCarthy. <laughs> That's great. Let's just go to break. We were doing please. so much better when I couldn't hear anything. I know. You know what it is, Sarah? Now it's I've become lazy. What with all of my senses, all five of my senses. Wait, one, two, five. All five of my senses back. I feel like now I'm just not even trying. For a minute, I was like one of those guys in a wheelchair that plays polo. Okay, back after this. Don't go anywhere. That's tomorrow. And that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know what, it, whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there it is. We are going to do Sting, yeah. Okay, but okay. The, now I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. Any? Sure. There's no words there to play us out. What does that mean? To play us out. It's, it's Sting is going to do. It's a video. Sting video. What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is up. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Look. No. We'll do it live! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Right. Thing sucks! In five, four, three. That's tomorrow and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Excellent. Your voice sounds so crystal clear. Yes, it does. Oh, this is the way it should be. It was weird being in a small room because our voices sound different. You know, like the way we speak, um, like when we're on the air, it's kind of different than how we do when we're off the air. And like it was throwing me off to like have the con like the honor conversation. By the way, can I just say that that whole thing? Just the, and then we'll, we'll welcome Ed McCarthy. He's been very patient there. Uh, we'll get Ed McCarthy in like five seconds.
the whole thing that just happened, the last, uh, the first half hour of the show, the last 35 minutes, uh, the whole first section of the show was so deeply and utterly symbolic. It was so, it was like so much a representation of Sarah and I, because Sarah and I right now on the air with headphones on, speaking into a microphone. Sarah and I have no problem speaking with each other, and we're communicating just fine. Mm -hmm. With the headphones off. It was basically just Sarah and I in a room actually having to speak to each other like normal people, <laughs> like like actually having to uh, interact the, we, like normally the way that actual human beings do, and we just, uh, yeah, we couldn't do that. No, just because I, I, no, cause you don't deal well with change, and then when you're in angry mode, like with, yes. with your change thing, then, you know, angry mode and then no headphones. I'm like, ah, I'm trapped in here. I'm just saying to me it was a perfect representation of the whole thing. I can't talk to Sarah in real life. I need headphones on. Like there some, are magic shields. Seriously, someday if we're not if we're not working here, it will, I'll have to just carry headphones with me. And if we, you and I ever have to go meet in public about something, I'll just have to like put them on so I can feel like we can speak. Oh, uh, you and I can talk. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South CNN Radio correspondent. This is the first phone call of the day. We'll see if this works. Uh, Ed McCarthy, hello, sir. Hey, Rick. You know when that microphone's on, don't get hot. Yes. No, it's true. I uh, yes, there was an unfortunate moment. I uh, I raised my voice inappropriately a few minutes ago, and I meant it's that thing where you kind of mean for it to sound uh, wackily, uh, you know, angry, sort of like a comedically enraged, and then you realize uh, you just sound like Ike Turner. So that's no good. Oh, you hear you hear tapes of other uh, other shows and yes. people well, that go nuts. I wasn't quite on the Casey Kasem uh, tip, but it was uh, yeah, it was it was not good. I apologize, and I apologize. Just everybody knows, I apologize to Richie in the hallway. I said uh, that was, I did, and I did the total guy apology. I'm like, that was not cool, dude. I'm sorry. That was uh, no, no, no. That's uh, I wouldn't call for. I, uh, you know, let's bump chests. All right, and so forth. How are you, Ed McCarthy? I How's am life? fine. I'm I'm doing okay, wow. and uh, we're we're all excited because. Uh, you know, I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. I think a lot of other people are as well. And he's coming back tomorrow. And so this, I, here's the thing. I don't really follow uh, golf. I mean, I follow golf even less than I follow most sports. But I, I do know that if you look at the career arc of Tiger Woods, there's always that old thing of like, well, I don't know. He's married and he's got kids. Now he's going to suck. Is You know, he's a family man. He's not going to be able to focus. His attention's going to be diffused. Not the case. Not the case. So, not I mean, the case. Do you suppose when other guys have to golf against him, they just wake up in the morning and they just look down at the floor and just sigh? You know what I mean? It's just sort of a, well, here I go off into the maw of, uh, you know, of, of suffering. Here's a guy from Australia ranked 36th in the world, and he's going to be playing in this thing. And he found out he's going to play Tiger Woods. Kind of ruined his day. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, I, it, it's like, well, I guess you can either do, you can do it one of two ways. You can be like, look, I'm going to have to go play Tiger Woods, uh, so I'm going to be home crying later on. Uh, or I remember in the, what year was it that there was the the uh, the Olympic Dream Team, the, the the NBA Dream Team, and it was like, you know, it was like it was it was like Jordan, oh, and, yeah. uh and and Scottie Pippen and all was those guys. Ninety six, wasn't it? Ninety six. I read in the interview with some guy from one of the, you know, he's one of those, like, one of those European teams that you know is never going to win anything, like from Zagreb or something. And he's like, oh, we have a basketball team from Zagreb. You know, and it's, really, uh, how do you feel about playing against Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and, like, the greatest guys who ever played the game? And the guy was, like, so, he was just, like, so jazzed about it, though. He's just like, oh, it's the best day of my life. I will tell family I played against Michael Jordan. Like, he just sort of knew that, you know, he was going to get hosed. He knows he's going to get his butt kicked, but yeah. he says, yeah, he's going to say, well, that's going to elevate my game anyway. And, he, and he's able to say, like, hey, here's a picture of me playing basketball with Michael Jordan. You never played basketball with Michael Jordan. So and he might month, get it autographed. 
Right, totally. So that's like that. That must be what it's like at this point, uh, you know, to, to play golf against Tiger Woods. He's going to go. Well, look, it's uh, it's an experience. Well, you know, I tell you what. If you saw the 2008 U.S. Open, you never saw a more gritty performance in anybody's life. I mean, that was totally amazing. He's playing Rocco Mediate, who's kind of a nice guy, and everybody likes him. And you know, they were rooting a little bit for Rocco because he was really good playing Tiger tough. And then all of a sudden, Tiger just kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And then you finally realized he's playing in incredible amounts of pain. Right. He's torn his leg. Of course, I think he went against doctor's orders to go in there, and he was supposed to take some time off. And, you know, he played the U.S. Open, and he just kept going. And I had played that course uh, last May, just before the U.S. Open. And I know that rough was up to your ankles. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, compared to Tiger Woods, forget it. I mean, you know, I'm a, like a 16 handicapper. But, uh, you know, that, that was tough, tough duty out there. Well, you know, to, to carry the uh, Jordan analogy even f- uh, further, farther, further, uh, wasn't there some game, wasn't there some game where Jordan had a fever of like 101 or something? And that was some game where he scored 55 points or some insanity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just where you. Just- these guys are amazing. Just to step up that level, you know, of achievement that and they it, have. It's like I was saying about the uh, on uh, Sunday night. I was over to uh, a friend's recording studio, the uh, friends of the show, and there was a. Uh, they were laying down the, the backing tracks for the song, and I saw there was a guy. There was a retired opera singer, and he's in the vocal booth, and I'm standing, and he's behind the glass, but I'm standing like two, three feet away from him. And I'm watching him, and. He's standing behind the microphone, and they're rolling the backing track, and he's kind of waiting for his moment. And then the moment of the song gets there, and he opens his mouth, and just this voice comes out that is, I mean, this, because operatic is always used as, as a, a descriptor, but it's always like figurative. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you would say to describe it except to say it's an opera singer. I mean, that's just like the best voice you've ever heard in your life. And you realize that my whole life, I, will, I could work my entire existence, and I will never be as good at, at, at anything as he is at that right now already. And it's the same thing with Tiger Woods, where it's, you know, it's a, it really is, you know, it's one of those, uh, one of those Mozart uh, things, I guess. So. And it really, but you know what it's so good for in this time of uh, economic stress? I mean, it, it's really good for Tiger to be back in the game. I mean, you know, the PGA Tour, I mean, they're running tournaments every week, but, you know, I can't tell you how many people aren't bothering to tune in because Tiger's not there. Tiger is like the big excitement to watch this guy, to see actually how he'll come back if he's two or three shots off the off the pace, and then to see how other guys who are leading react if they'll fall back because Tiger is on their trail. You, see, so, you know, I always hear the stories, too, where they say, well, you know, young people, ch- children are really getting into golf because of Tiger Woods. And I always, I always sort of instinctively just believe that, uh, disbelieve that just because golf if you're not really into it, if you're not of a very specific temperament, it just seems like the most excruciatingly dull thing. If you're not like, if you're not a guy who really wants to do it, so I was wondering if that's a little bit of just uh, hype, you know, that there's like no. five-year-olds demanding golf clubs for Christmas or something. No, no, the golf is different. If you play it and you've been playing, I've been playing it since I was 12 years old. I've never gotten any better, but it's not an easy game. People think it is. It looks easy because these guys are, you know, the precision shot makers. You know, these guys are like, you know, within a a millimeter of of perfect on every shot every time. So, uh, you know, for the Joe Average guy, uh, they're always out playing and trying to improve their game. And it's it's tough. And it's it's addiction. It's really addictive. The game is just an amazing thing. Well, the more you play, the more you want to play. But you don't want to play injured. And, I, I will say this, actually. is just the one final thought here, that there is a great book, and I read it because I'm a fan of his music, but um, Alice Cooper, of all people, uh, you know, he's a... I, you know, he's a great golfer. Yeah, great golfer, and, of course, you know, he's legendary now for, you know, his, you know giving up uh, booze and whatever else and just trading that in for, for a golfing addiction. And 
He wrote this book about two years ago called uh, Golf Monster, which is a simultaneously it's an autobiographical uh, tale of you know sort of his making his mark in the world of music. So it's an autobiography of him, the rock star, but then it is interspersed with how he became a huge golf fanatic, and then also like Alice Cooper's seven like his seven uh, you know the tips for for a better swing or something. So you get a chance. You can probably it's in paperback now, so you can probably pick it up uh, dirt cheap. It's called Golf Monster by Alice Cooper. I would strongly recommend that. I've watched him play in these celebrity tournaments, and he is really good. So yeah, all right. Uh, it, it just it, I, I have to be really careful because now I can just uncork uh, tons of, of Alice Cooper golfing anecdotes. Like when I was a kid, I heard. I'll just do one more here. I heard when I was a kid that there was this photo. And I don't think it ever existed. I think it was just one of those things you heard about because it seemed kind of likely. And I don't think this actual photo exists. But I always heard that there was this photograph of Alice Cooper golfing with Bob Hope and Gerald Ford. And it's like, I don't think that photo was actually out there, but I so desperately wanted it to be because it just seemed like the greatest, most subversive thing on earth. So. Wouldn't that be funny? All right, my friend. As always, a pleasure. We will uh, talk to you very soon. Thank Rick, you, Ed. Thanks much. There you go. Ed McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Hello. Uh, it's like I'm hearing your voice for the first time. Uh, <laughs> I'm having fun over here. I'm just sorting out the stories. You know, believe it or not, I'm having fun over here. We're <laughs> persevering, Sarah, as uh, as Gunny Hightower would say. We are, uh, we are, uh, no, Hightower? No, that's the guy from Police Academy. Highway. You know, the Heartbreak Ridge guy. Mm-hmm. We're adapting. We're improvising. We are overcoming. It's 503 And the work, too. Well, we'll find out. Uh, that was Ed McCarthy. We'll see if the regular lines work. Uh, and we got uh, Steve Kastenbaum, I think, joining us here in a moment. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir, madam, is the case, maybe. Oh, hello. This is Troy in Alaska. Hello, Troy in Alaska. How are you today? Hey, not bad, dude. Uh, I just had my first viso, finally. Now, but you're in Alaska. How is that possible? Well, uh, they, we got a Fred Meyer, and uh, I just happened to be in the right uh, in at the right time and just found a whole fridge stocked full of viso. Oh, it's so, taken over the world. Wait, let me Oh uh, yeah. Here's a dumb um, question. I'm I'm kind of an idiot American. Uh, so I don't really know I mean I know where Alaska is, but how how many miles is like Juneau? Cuz you're in Juneau, right? Yeah. How many miles is Juneau from like Seattle? From Seattle? Yeah, you know like from basically like the top of Washington state, let's say. Well, like, I don't know. Uh, like, I'm not very good at judging, like, distances, per se. If like, I was to I mean, fly from, like, Spokane or something yeah. to, to, to Juneau, like, how long am I looking at? Well, from Seattle to Juneau is about uh, an hour, 45 minutes, uh, depending on sometimes you get what's called the milk run, and that's you stop in every single small town. So, like, you stop in Ketchikan, Petersburg, Sitka, and then Juneau. Because it's just and sort it of, it's so long. Like in my head, I just sort of picture everything having to be delivered there by like, uh, you know, like sled dogs or something. Like it's sort of an Iditarod <laughs> where they're bringing, you know, like, and I brought your grain for the winter too. Don't use it all at once. We can't be back until after the thaw or something. And, and then you've also got Viso. Uh, what flavor, sir? Oh, I uh, I got Will, Straw Key, and Vigor. Excellent. Good for awesome. you. Awesome. Which one did you try first? Uh, the first one I tried was Vigor, mm-hmm. and uh, that one I wasn't I wasn't too keen on, so I tried the uh, the Strocky next, which was delicious. That's my favorite. Yeah, Rick is a Rick loves Vigor the most, at least for right now. And I I'm all Strocky. Strocky is oh. really good. I will say that Strocky is really good. Uh, it is also uh, it's caffeine free, which means you can you know drink it. And you're not gonna be uh, bouncing off the walls all day. Yeah, that's the thing. I had Will this morning. And didn't really like comprehend the amount of caffeine. Oh, it'll yeah, like, no, I it'll. I was sitting uh, in a staff meeting, just losing my mind. 
like I'm trying to sit still and I'm twittering with everything and I'm interjecting in the conversation while business is trying to get done, trying to be funny. Ugh. Here's the thing. as uh, I'm all jittery now. As Here's the thing. As Nietzsche would say, uh, when you look into the Viso bottle, the Viso bottle also looks into you, sir. So be careful with that. It's uh, It can sense fear. Oh, I know. I'm like... I'll be sitting at my desk. I'm like, oh wow, I could have another visa right now. Yeah, see, this just, is it. Always, just, yeah, I lose my mind. It starts with that. It starts with sitting at your desk, going, I got to have another visa, I guess. But I mean, I was telling the story yesterday. I walked. Boy, it was two days in a row because it was. On, I guess it was on uh, Saturday night for the uh, for the you know Geek in the City Awards, and then Sunday for the Oscars, I had to walk. It was actually the same 7-Eleven, but on Saturday I was like way on one side of it. And on Sunday I was actually found myself way on the other side of it. But I found myself walking nine blocks. I didn't want to lose my parking space. So I'm trudging through the rain and the wind and the whatever, like, must get Viso. Just because – and, you know, look, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a big coffee drinker. I love coffee. Coffee the, coffee, and I – that's actually what I drink in the morning just because that's – to me, that's just part of – as the commercial used to say, that's just part of waking up. You wake up and you roll out of bed and you drink your first cup, you know, mug of coffee in the morning, and that's fantastic. Um, so I still love coffee, but there does come a point about two o'clock in the day where it's like, uh, you know, your body starts going. Um, look, I don't want to alarm you, but um, we're going to need some viso uh, down here in these cells. So you probably want to take care of that sooner rather than later. Thanks so much. Bye. You know, and it's like you got to go. Well, okay, got to go take care of that. So, well, well, thank. I'm so glad you've uh, tried it. Thank you for supporting one of our sponsors, sir. Oh yes, I'm spreading the word around. Uh, I'm still working on those a thousand listeners. Seriously, you get us a thousand listeners, we'll all come to Juno. So we'll, uh, we'll you just you well, want to know how it goes. Like go fishing or something? You want to go kayaking? I don't yeah. know. What, what do you want to do well, here? <laughs> well, once we snowshoeing. Just gonna say snowshoeing. Once guess, might be. Uh, once might not be the right word for that exactly. But what is there to do? I mean. Don't take this the wrong way. What is there to do in Juno? Well, uh, I don't know. We keep ourselves sedated most of the time uh, with one form or another. Uh, like I, I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> um, I guess in the wintertime you could ski or snowboard, but uh, I don't really do that. I really just, like, uh, during the uh, summertime, it's uh, boating, fishing, Hiking, there's all kinds of cool places you can explore, like well, so, uh, old uh, mine ruins and stuff. So depending on what time of year we went up, uh, we could either, uh, you know, we could either do, do something sort of outdoors, or I mean, you got the internet, so uh, you yeah, know. If you can get something by summer, then we can all go fishing together. Yeah, and okay. it, you know, and, and if not, then it's just, uh, you know, then it's just uh, nothing but Doom Four, which will be out by then. So all right. Oh, wonderful. All right. On that note, my friend, enjoy the rest of your day. Oh wait, one more thing, yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Hey, I'm sending you a link to a really good uh, lost. Not a blog, but every, it's like, uh, after every lost episode, they kind of do an analysis and just kind of go over all the small points and stuff that you might have missed. But it's like really, really good for keeping up with the small things that may come back later. They kind of guess and show stuff. But I'll send you that link. Awesome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Thank you, no sir. No problem. All right. Enjoy your day. There you go. Juneau, Alaska, checking in. Juneau. I've always wanted to go to Alaska. I, I really hope he finds a thousand listeners. And Juneau is uh, what that, well, we've talked about, the place where you have to fly in because you can't drive. There's no roads in and out, which is mm. weird. So, uh, no, I'll tell you, 50,000 people or something? Yeah. 40,000? So, I mean, 1,000 people is doable. 150th of the town. We could do that. So, and I just picked 1,000, by the way, just, just out of the air. I mean, I have no, like, I don't know that we'll actually hold him to it, but I mean... 900, we would settle for 970 listeners. Yes. So you find 970 listeners in Juno. Uh, I don't care if I have to pay myself. We'll go. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent and stylish man of the world, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. How's your day going? 
going pretty well. A good day. Uh, we're, we're um, you know, at the time of the year in the company where we, we hear from the president of the company, Jim Walton, and he does these little informational sessions here uh, at, uh, at CNN and the bureaus and stuff. So we had ours today. So I'm feeling good. Excellent. And then here's the best part is you're saying, no, 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 it's, it's, I'm feeling good. It's a great day. And I'm reading this where it says, the New York Stock Exchange hit a low that it hasn't seen in over a decade today. Um, so this is, is it today or is this Monday that it ended up so, so low? It ended yesterday uh, at a 12-year low, which is one of the reasons why I, I feel so good today, because our president came and told us how good CNN is doing right now, uh, just generally, let alone in this market. Well, so, of course, you, you've got all this news to be covering. I mean, really, let's, let's just be honest. I mean, if tomorrow zombies were actually to begin swarming over the lower half of the United States, that would be the best thing that could possibly happen to you guys. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to be cynical about it. I'm just saying this is, a, you know, it's a, it's a good time to be in the news business. Let's put it that way. As long as we can continue to sell ads for Snuggies and the, that, that thing that makes your feet smoother, the peta, the, what is it called again? The pedicure. No, 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 the pedicure, the peta, ped egg. The ped egg, that thing, I yeah. Pedicure yeah. is, pedicure is the actual, is the actual uh, thing where you sit there and they do your, your feet or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, the, the ped egg, which I do believe uh, our good friend Tim Riley bought a ped egg, and he found it sort of horrifying. Because he said it was like taking a, 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 it's like taking a cheese grater to the bottom of your feet is how he put it, and apparently it was a, it was an altogether off-putting experience. Let's talk for a second about the the snuggie, and I don't have the um, <coughs> pardon me. Let me see if I have this in front of me. I think I have an ad for the snuggie here somewhere. Hold on a second. Well, while you find that ad, yeah, I'm gonna uh, talk about something I read about the snuggie. They're gonna be doing some sort of pub crawl in. Nuggies? That seems like an accident waiting to happen because somebody's going to get the uh, edge of that thing caught in the wheel well of a tire as it goes by. Uh, you know, the guy's going to roll by, and then the next thing you know, you're going to be all bound up in there, and then it's going to be like that thing in the Brooklyn where they, you know, in the in that story in Brooklyn where you got the guy got dragged for like a, you know like a hundred miles for anybody figured out he was underneath the car. Right. Um, here's the, let me ask you this about the about uh, the Snuggie. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that there is the Snuggie, and then there is also the competing product, the Slanket? No. Is there a competing product? Okay. I didn't realize that. There is the Slanket, which seems like the Slanket, I do believe, came first, just like everybody thinks that Transformers came before GoBots, but GoBots were really the original. Uh, here's how I know. Because I, was, I went home one day, and my wife and I are both real connoisseurs of pop culture. That's one of the reasons we get along so well. My wife and I are really just, you know, in some ways we're different, but I mean, one of the, one of the similarities we have is that we just absorb and just wallow in pop culture just like it, just like we're sponges. I mean, we just, because it's fascinating. Because you will never get a better insight into the way a country operates than to watch its advertising and its entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, hey, have you seen this thing, the Slanket? And I said, no, is that like a... Is that like the thing in Land of the Lost that menaces the children? And she said, no, 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 it's a sleestack. This is a slanket. And I said, what's that? And the slanket is, I mean, it's a snuggie, basically, but the slanket is. So have you seen the slanket? No, but that word kind of bothers me. But it's kind of great, though. It's, it's kind of great. Like, I'm, I, I'm kind of, I like the word, but it, it's strange. Have you seen the snuggie? I've seen the snuggie. It's the same thing. It's, it's like a big blanket. Like a sleeping bag blanket robe thing. It's right? like a blanket that has been sewn into the shape of an oversized bathrobe. Okay. Uh, like a big wizardy uh, Dementor Azkaban uh, robe, but it's made out of a blanket. And so, uh, snuggle, blanket, slanket, I think, or sl... Wait, where does this SL come from? If it's a blanket, why, where does, why is it the S? A snuggling blanket is a slanket? 
Probably. Whatever. So I come home, she's like, oh, the slanket is the best thing ever. And she went so far as to ask for one for Christmas, and then she rescinded it at the last moment. She's like, no, no, no. She's like, that's stupid. You know, hold on now. We'll wait and get them when they're cheaper. And so I was the only person I, I, I knew that had heard of the slanket. Then the Snuggie comes out, and then I got all angry at the Snuggie for some reason. It's like mm. I felt protective of the slanket. I'm like, the Snuggie's a, you know, that's a ripoff. The slanket is the original. And this, the Snuggie, though, immediately seemed to get all the lion's share of the attention and the credit. And then, for Super Bowl Sunday, I go over to the home of Susan Reynolds, who is our marketing director, and she and her husband for Christmas, matching slankets. And I can tell you, oh. it looks pretty fantastic. Really? It does. It looks pretty great. See, I have the poor man's Snuggie. I take my bathrobe and I just turn it around. That's really sad, Steve. You shouldn't tell people that. That's uh, you don't want to. That's a story you shouldn't repeat to anyone else. I, I'll have the good sense not to uh, not to not to relay that. But that's just because a slanket's like nine dollars. I mean, really, it's the thing. <laughs> Is it really? Seriously, you can get one at Walgreens with whatever. Like like the change in your pocket, you could probably get one. Not that it's not a quality product. I'm just saying, it's not like. It's not like it's a real, uh, like it's a real luxury item at this point. You know what I mean? I just don't feel like my life is uh, missing anything by not having one. But everybody seems to think it's a necessity now. Like they love this thing. It's the, the guys who, who market the, the Snuggie are they, they are just totally taken aback by their sales right now. Here's the thing: I I have so many questions about that product. Like it, it seems to me that the Slanket seems like a thing you would use all the time. And then you get it, and it seems like it would then just become you'd, you'd become lazy, and you would just pull it over you like a blanket. Like you'd quit putting it on. You'd just pull it on top of you because there's no like zipper, and like you got to be put. You got to pull it on like a hoodie that doesn't unzip, and then you got to take it off the same way. So I wonder if at a certain point it becomes a pain. Also, this. Let me ask you this, Steve. Do you know this? If you're wearing a slanket or snuggie, and you stand up, like is it a one size fits all thing? And here's the reason I asked. Because if you get up to walk to the kitchen, the bathroom, the whatever, like you're going to be tripping on, on the, the bottom of it? Is it going to be so yes. long that it drags and you trip? Yes, especially if the kids are using it. So you have to take it off to get to, to get up and go to the kitchen, to go to the fridge, And she's right? like, what if you're putting your dishes back in the sink or something? And then it's like you can't carry the dishes because one hand has to be clutching it uh, like, a, you know, like, a, like a skirt or whatever, or else you're going to trip. Also, here's the other great thing. On the slanket ad... They show people in a variety of poses using the slanket, and it's like several of them, you know, the family, they bought one for each of them, and they're, they're at the stands at the big game, and they're applauding for their favorite team. They're wearing it in public? They are, Sarah, uh, in the stands with the big pennant that just says, like, team on it. <laughs> like, there's not actually the name of the team, it just says, like, football, and they're in the stands. Here's the best place they're shown using the slanket, though. It is, in fact, around a campfire where they're... They're all holding, uh, it's like the, the thing that no one really does, but they're all holding like marshmallows and weenies on the end of like pointy sticks that they got out of the woods. And they're standing, they're, like they're all sitting around a roaring bonfire with these sleeves that are like two feet long. Yeah. And seriously, it's like, I just wish I could see the next two or three photographs. Because the first photograph is them roasting weenies over the fire. The second photograph is of one of them looking down with alarm as they see the sleeve catching on fire. The third one is just a blur of flame. Uh, as they're all running around, and then the fourth one is like of the EMT there, like zipping up <laughs> like the bag, you know, because one of them has just been the, you know, has been set ablaze. So. I, I agree with you. I see them as a pretty dangerous fire hazard. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, well, and so forth. So there goes. So I'm going to put all my money in slankets, basically, is my uh, my point. But the, the... I, I love how you refuse to call it the snuggie. No, see, the, the snuggies. I'm telling you, man, the slanket came first. I'm going to choose to believe that until it's proven otherwise. 
Okay. What is up though with the with the stock market being at a 12 year low, even now that the stimulus thing has happened? Like I, I didn't expect it to fix everything, but you'd think there'd be at least some recognition of like, well, we feel okay about it. There was a lot of um, speculation, for lack of a better word, that it's not going to do anything. That it that it really won't uh, do much to to turn the economy around or slow the recession. So that's why we saw uh, a total lack of confidence leading to a sell off. But now, you know, the, uh, I told you yesterday, I think I mentioned yesterday how low prices had gotten uh, at the stock exchange. So uh, today, those really cheap stocks are proving too hard to ignore, and, and, and a lot of buyers are going in there. And now we're up 203 points. We're above where we were uh, yesterday at the opening, before the big drop. So uh, everybody's going in there. The bargain hunters have arrived. I mean, Citigroup city stock. Here's, here's a great example of how low the price of many stocks have, uh, have become. Citigroup stock was selling this morning at the opening bell at $1.91 a share. That's less than it costs to use a Citibank ATM if you don't have a Citibank account. It was like somebody was saying about Home Depot that it's like the, uh, the, 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 the home – was it Home Depot they were talking about? Where it's like the stock itself was actually cheaper than like – I don't know, like a bag of nails or something. But, yeah, this is an even better example. Like the ATM actually costs more than a share of stock, which is just uh, – I don't even know what it is. I've run out of adjectives at this point, Steve. I've got well, nothing. This, i I got to tell you, you know, Uncle Warren, Warren Buffett, kept talking about some great bargains out there now. I mean, if you've got some money laying around and, uh, you know, you can stomach a loss if it doesn't turn out well. I mean, there's some – Stocks out there that are at prices that, are, that haven't been seen in, in decades. Seriously, so, you should drop a list of companies that sell things to depressed uh, unemployed people because that's a company I want to get behind right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like maybe just tissues, you know? I would say a pharmaceutical firm for antidepressants, but uh, the pharmaceuticals aren't doing well either. I was just saying that the other day, actually, that you put all your money in whoever it is that makes, uh, what's it, uh, Prozac? Or whatever, except that, you know, what with the stellar health care that we've got in this country, nobody can really afford to use any of those products. So I just put all my money in booze and ear candles. <laughs> booze and ear candles? Seriously, just, you have the, the, dude, that's where the smart investor puts his money right now, and I'm not even joking. Because, like, nobody can afford to go to the doctor. I mean, you know, 40 million people, probably way more by now, by the way, that don't have health care. So that nobody can afford to get actual, like, you know, real Western medicine that, you know, fixes stuff. So right. if I were you, I would start putting all my money in idiot hippie remedies that don't do anything. I would start putting all my money in homeopathic crap. Uh, no, no, no. This is, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ear candle. And, uh, and there's another company that makes like a, that thing where you jam a teapot into your nose or whatever the hell. And what's this? Uh, you know, I it's, love that teapot in the nose thing. The, uh, the, the, the neti pot, it's yeah, called. Yeah, totally. Just find a whole bunch of companies that just sell stuff uh, to, like, you know, to hippies without health care. That, that's going to be a growth industry. You know, it's funny you mention that because I have a friend who lost her job. Uh, she got laid off, and she went back to school, and she's actually getting – they call her – they'll call her a doctor of homeopathic care or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then she went back to study. She's uh, she's studying that, and she will be working supposedly in some health center doing that. You know, look, I think it's, yeah. as Julius Irving would, would, would tell you, uh, just calling yourself a doctor doesn't necessarily mean that you actually uh... – you actually have doctoral training. I mean, just, you know. Effort. When I went to see a, a chiropractor, I just, I couldn't bring myself to call him Doc. You should have called him, uh, you should have called him like, uh, uh, no, my wit is failing me. I don't know. All right. Uh, on that note, uh, we got a skedaddle, but uh, are you on tomorrow, sir? 
Yeah, I am, and I promise I won't be all over the place tomorrow. Boy, I hit a bunch of topics that have nothing to do with each other Just, today, did I? <laughs> trust me when I say you have no idea. So, uh, really, you sat, you fit in perfectly today. Thank you. All right, have a good day, sir. See you. There you go, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Hola. How are you? Good, I never got to tell you about my night last night. No. You know what, I got to say, I think the show is firing along in all mm -hmm. cylinders, actually. I would say we're playing for the pain as only real professionals can, Sarah. I'd say that lesser shows would have wilted uh, by now. Not us, though. Mm-hmm. Bringing it as we do. We do. All right. Uh, Don Taylor, I'm assuming, is here. Uh, so I'll take, we'll take a break. We'll come back, talk about your night. And then um, I had something to say about my night last night. I don't remember what the hell it was. I couldn't have been that interesting. Oh, I sat around. Done. <laughs> All right. Back after this with Sarah Dillon and what she did last night, as well as Don Taylor. Coming up later on, uh, Watchman tickets. Don't let me forget. We oh, got yeah. Watchman tickets. And, and the genius giveaway. The giveaway today. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, so we'll do that all uh, coming up. Stay there. Rick Emerson Radio Program. Greetings, fallen Catholics. Uh, today is Fat Tuesday, by the way. You know what that means. Three pancakes at IHOP. Until 10 p.m. today, guests at IHOP can get three free pancakes. Uh, today for Ash Wednesday, that's today. This, by the way, is from the Denver Post. This is from the DenverPost.com. I'm assuming this is the same text as in the print edition. It's hard to imagine why newspapers aren't doing so well. The day before Ash Wednesday is Nose as Fat Tuesday. It's nose as Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras because products not eaten during the Catholic fasting period were consumed in advance of Lent. Blah, 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 blah. Strict rules prohibited the eating of dairy products during Lent, so pancakes were made the use of the supply. I didn't, that's not true, is it? I didn't know that. You never, I never had to not, uh, to not have dairy during Lent. Yeah. Denver, the Denver Post doesn't know what I'm talking about. I say without any evidence to back that up. The Denver Post is fabricating stories. And the point is you can get free pancakes at IHOP. That's really all that matters in this story. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Before we do anything else, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program, the one and only Don Taylor, Portland uh, rock hunter and uh, critic for film.com and smelling. burgeoning chocolatier. Yes. I am a woman of many talents. You really are, and, and you do smells. smell fantastic, by the way. I can say it because Sarah said it first. So, if I say it first, then it's a whole lot of like... You smell enough. good. Yeah, like Exa that. Exactly. That's... <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, all right. Uh, now we're going to pretend like it's 11 o'clock. Hey, hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Oh, hello. What'd you do last night? Oh, you know, I had my, my media bowling league. Oh, that was. I'm sorry. And I, I mentioned the line that I didn't. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Well, you can't do that. It's going to weird me out. <laughs> oh, wow. It's like I just fell through a wormhole. So I had my media bowling league, and I had, like, this feeling all day yesterday. I'm just like... A good or bad feeling? I, I just knew that I was going to be playing the farmer's team. Oh, yeah. I this is, uh, your and it was my yeah. night. And, yes, sure enough, I go and look at the... Well, now you were playing him last time, weren't you? Or was he just next to you? No, he was near. Oh, no, this time near. it was our team. He's encroaching further and further and further. Yes, this time I look, and then there's this team name next to our team name. I'm like... Well, it was going to happen. I, I mean, knew it was going to happen. And I've been, you know, like like we've been saying hi and stuff to each other. But we haven't really spoken very much. So, no, it went it went well. I have to say we had a nice little chat. And um, we got bold against each other. And Did I, you win? 
And I told him about the mustache in person. Oh, really? You told him to get rid of that? Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. And he's just like, yeah, that was from where I know. I'm, I'm finally, because after, you know, we've been chatting for a while, I'm like, I can tell him this. I'm like, you've, you've got to shave that thing off. What are you, what are you doing with Well, it's face? just, he's, you know, he's a good looking guy. So, I mean, he, all he this, was. All this, is mucking it up. It was marred. That's the thing. It mm-hmm. was, a, it was, it, you know, it was like a, it was like an inappropriate brush stroke across a, a completed Picasso. And so, so anyway, so he's the farmer, you know, and so his family owns a, a, a dairy. And so he was wearing this shirt with his last name on it, and then it said Dairy underneath. It was, like, on the back of it. And, and Richie thought it said Diary. And so we were, like, so the farmer was bowling. And Lisa Wood was going to tell you earlier, which I want to. So he was bowling. As he was bowling, he, his feet flew out from under him, like, completely falls on the ground, but manages to get a strike. So he, throws, so he falls on the ground. That's pretty cool. It was pretty, actually pretty cool looking. I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty awesome. And then Richie just gets up in his little loud, loud dry queen voice. is just like, yeah, why don't you put that in your diary? Your, you know, family diary. I'm like, are you Because he thinks that. Ah, uh, family diary, family diary. shirt said family di- a diary? Why would a shirt say family? Never mind, never mind, never mind. Doesn't matter. I don't All know. Right. Okay. But Richie, yeah, Richie was kind of in rare form last Is that Richie's little... brand new catchphrase? Yeah. yeah. Put it in your diary. Uh, oh, and then you, but and this is, I, I'm not going to pretend that I don't know this because I already do know this. So you watch Monster Camp. Yes. How great is that? That was awesome. It's a great movie. It's really cute. It was. It's not like a groundbreaking, world-changing documentary, but it is a, it is a, this sounds so condescending. When I say, I was going to say it's a cute little film, and I don't mean that, but I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's a charming little documentary. It really is. I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's not like it's going to. You know, it's not like the thin blue line or something, but I mean, it's but it, it's a great film. It really is, and it and it is very endearing. Uh, it made me kind of sad though at the end. Like, yeah, it's it's poignant. It really is. Yeah, with those those two kids who none of them have high school diplomas. Don, have you like, seen Monster Camp? No, I haven't. Oh, it's great. You got you got to see it. Um, but when they talked about life, though, made me a little sad. Of, hmm. Did you know the deal with it? It's yeah, uh, the live action role playing. You were talking about when I was in here once. Uh, or LARPing. LARPing. Um, Nero. <laughs> pardon me. And, um, yeah, so these guys would get together in the state park a couple times a year, and they do live-action role-playing, <laughs> and this is in Tacoma. And they profile, uh, you know, one of the hus- uh, husband, uh, father and son is uh, teams is from Portland, to nobody's surprise, and they're totally, they're all, like, the shiniest. They're all, like, voice number three. And it's like, and I told Sarah uh, when she was getting ready to watch it, I, I said, you know, like, even if you don't know these guys, you know these guys. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to go, I know him, I know him, I worked with him, I kind of know that guy. And the one guy from Portland is like a full-on, like, he did, you know, I'm trying to go to the coma and play live-action role-playing. And he mm-hmm. just totally is that guy. And But they're all just so great. And a couple of them are, you know, it's a, it's a little... Um, it's a little sad, some of them, because they clearly have... Because they've given up on life. Like, they, they're video gaming and, like... But some of them are like an advanced yeah. case, like an like a vi- like and like they don't care what they do with their normal lives because that isn't their real life. There are a couple of the guys in the film, and they're they're, they're a minority, but there are a couple of guys in this film who clearly they are what some people believe all geeks to be. Mm-hmm. They are the guys, and everybody. Let me just say this: uh, every geek within the sound of my voice, and I really am not thinking of anybody. I just know this to be true. Every geek within the sound of my voice knows a guy or two like this, and it typically is a guy. You know a guy or two like this, uh, and they all kind of look the same. They all kind of talk the same in this weird, almost like twitchy kind of like uh, in- inhaling a lot quickly while they talk and like like a weird compulsive laughter after they speak. And just like you would swear to God they were wired on something, but they're just wired on the fact that their own brain isn't wired properly. Uh, and they're really, really brilliant in a very narrowly defined kind of way but just with, like, so few social skills that it's amazing they can even uh, function on a day-to-day basis. And the best moment, and by best I mean the most definitive moment, is they're talking to one of these guys, and they're like, so now that the LARPing is over for the year, uh, 
Like, what are you going to do with your life? You're like, you know, you're like 20, blah, 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 whatever, and you didn't graduate from high school, and you sit at home, and you're on the computer all day playing World of Warcraft. And mm-hmm. What are your plans? And the guy, you know, and none of them are dumb people, clearly. I mean, they're all smart, and, you know, in, in, in a sort of in their own kind of way. But they, but they, the guy goes, well, I, I don't have any plans as such. Um, so I'm just, uh... And he's like, well, I guess oh. I'm going to, you know, maybe go back to school and... Get my degree, and he's like, you know, in his twenties now. Seriously, they don't have their high school diplomas. And it's they... like two guys living together, and and when one is so like one of them has a day job at like a he's like a, a stalker or like a Fred Meyer or something. Yeah, yeah. and so like one, so he'll be working during the day, and then his friend will be playing on the computer all day, play World of Warcraft all day. Then when the friend gets home, it's like a morning Sam, morning Ralph. Exactly. So then know. when the guy gets home, then he moves from World of Warcraft to the TV uh, so he can play video games, and then the other guy comes and plays World of Warcraft. Oh, all this day. is just making me sad. It I is. know it's kind of now. That being said, that's a small, small part of the <laughs> yeah. film. The film itself is actually really enjoyable and funny and whatever. But when I was at the uh, the Oscar thing on Sunday, this guy Aaron Douglas, I know he's going to be comes up. To me in the shoulder, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you like that movie Monster Camp on the can." He goes, "Hey, I produced that." And I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And he goes, Here's an autographed copy. Here's a copy of my new film. And I was, and then he vanished and like whoosh, gone. I was like, "What? Okay." So anyway, we'll bring it in. You gotta, you gotta see. It's pretty great, and so forth. Let's do a one call, then we'll uh, go to the news desk and see what fresh hell awaits us there. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. How you doing? I'm okay. Awesome. All right. Um. Okay, so I was looking at the Mistace thing on your page the other day and saw that Tom Likas is no longer employed through CBS. And due to the repetitive, repetitiveness of the show, I pretty much just kind of like turn it off at three and I don't know, turn on my stereo. Turn so, it off and you. Okay, yes. All right. I, I listen to you on the radio and that's basically it. Other than that, I have an iPod with like 60 gigs of fantastic music, so I don't really need the radio. Now, sir, I was to understand. How? Let me ask you, how old are you, sir? Now, see, I was to understand that the younger folks were suffering from iPod fatigue, sir. Um, I swear to God, I heard a radio consultant tell me that not too long ago. I think what the younger folks are suffering from is never having to flip over a cassette tape or put in a CD. (laughs) I'm almost positive. I read a very strongly worded article the other day saying that young people were getting rid of their iPods because they just don't like all that choice. I don't like picking my own music. I I really hate the fact that I'm getting old enough to go, have you seen their haircuts and the pants that these boys are wearing? Who gives a crap? Pull up your pants. What is it? No, not pull up your pants. They're wearing their little sister's pants that are so small they can't even pull them up all the way. Oh, you're talking about the, the, you know. The little emo pants. My wife was talking about that the other day. It's weird that that's like a known thing to it. Real quickly, just before we move on, let me just say this. So I listened to this band the other day. It was that band Blood Brothers that Sarah, of course, knew about like way before I did. And I'm like, listen to this this great band. And Sarah's like, I saw them at a house party with five other people. You're not impressing me. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And and then I went back home and I I played for Laura. I'm like, listen to this band. My wife, who will be easily impressed impressed and i played it and i got gotten 30 seconds i played what i kind of view to be their sort of single even though they don't really have singles i played this song called laser life which is fantastic and my wife was like these guys all have really really narrow pants don't they and she totally was like the skinny tight <laughs> jeans like she completely she's like these are real thin boys with really tight pants and floppy john Mayer hair completely uh so how can i uh, help you specifically sir well anyway so since you have this radio show on the morning that it's pretty lame um because I'm sure some people like it. You're winning me over with every syllable. Let's skip to the end of the page where you ask me the question. So um, 11 o'clock, Phil Hendry's back on, right? Yes, yes. What's the chances of maybe putting him on earlier in the day because, like, for the... For the lucky few people that still have jobs, can listen to that in the morning instead of staying up late to listen to it. You're a relentless ray of happiness. Let me hold on. Let me see. Uh, 
the odds. It's so Henry. It reminds me of the 1080 days. That's all I'm saying. The odds are. Let me see. Let me do this in my best uh, Eddie the shipboard computer voice. Throw down some dice. The multi-sided dice. I'm just trying to I'm trying to throw out punchlines, and there's just there's just no opportunity, sir. It's like I'm, I'm trying to be the caulk between the bricks here, and there's just a, there's okay. no uh, there's all right, no chance. Apologize. All right, I'm going to do this one more time. Okay, you asked what are the odds of Phil Hendry being on earlier, and I said, and then I was going to do a white checkers guide to the galaxy thing. You've ruined my comedy, you bastard. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is Eddie the shipboard computer saying, uh, odds are 7.1 against and falling. Never mind, never mind. All right, well, stay tuned for details, friends. That's all I, I hate. I'm not trying to be rude, but we gotta, we got to roll on to some other things. So, thank you so much. Like right, Don's Fabulous News Pile. <sighs> Which would be a terrible name for a band. Don's News Pile. Don's terrible. <laughs> Don's Fabulous News Pile. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the uh, news desk, ladies and gentlemen, with Don. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. A Corbett woman who had claimed that she was attacked and thrown off a bridge will now stand trial for murder. Late Monday, a grand jury ruled there was sufficient evidence to hold Hazel Lynn Stomps. Hazel Lynn Stomps? Is Hazel that like Savannah Lynn Smiles? Stomps, which is a delightful name, uh, for trial in the death of her husband. She is accused of killing Gerald Stomps, dismembering his body and burying his remains on the couple's acreage in Corbett. Why do people always bury remains on their own property? Dismember. I barely knew her. What? If you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna bother to dismember it, like put it in garbage bags, spread it all over, oh, like, like a different county. Stuff. You can go into somebody else's backyard. Like, why do you put it on, on your property? Let's put it in the compost and heap out back. <laughs> yeah. Jedediah. Throw it in a dumpster in some apartment complex somewhere where it's unlikely to be either noticed or traced back to you. That's Don Taylor saying it. Well, Not that know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. Oh, I totally have. Uh, well, you know, I read this uh, this story the other day. Uh, it was on some uh, some 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 outlet for news, and they were saying that. That uh, it's a lot harder to get murder convictions against guys now because CSI does such a great job of giving you like a basis for like just the, just the, sort of a bare minimum of how to get rid of forensic evidence, like just pouring bleach everywhere when you're done, which I guess it sort of destroys like 80 percent of what they would normally have gotten. And so that coupled with the fact that jurors are typically idiots. And now, especially they're idiots who are like demanding that you have like a big flashy computer program that like, you know, David Caruso goes. And here you can see that, you know, here you can see that Mr. King is checkmated, you know, and then, like, it's whatever, and, it's like, you can't convict anybody now. They said they had the greatest statistic in this story. They had, a, like, a former homicide detective, and he said that before, if you committed a crime, the odds were, like, 50-50 you get away with it, and he's like, now it's, like, 85%. He's like, if you have even a baseline intelligence, like, if you have the intelligence of a plant, you could probably kill somebody and get away with it. I'm not saying you should, of course. Yeah, one of the things on those shows that is just completely false is when you see them match fingerprints. Yeah. Um, I in actually, like a minute. I did a story on a woman who lives uh, in Columbia County who is like a nationally renowned fingerprint expert. She actually gets stuff. She's now uh, does freelance work, and they ship her stuff from all of that. Because even though they can match uh, certain uh, bits of fingerprints via computer, although the the thing that you see them do in like five seconds on TV can take weeks oh, yeah. for yeah. them to actually find one that matches, they still have to give it to a person to look at and actually like physically I didn't know that. compare them because, well, yeah, because even with the, the different points of demarcation that can be similar, you, they can still have different worlds, there can be different, uh, 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 they could be wider spacing between the lines. They they actually have people, you know, fingerprint experts look at the fingerprints before it can go to trial to say, without a shadow of a doubt, this is actually the fingerprint. I got like nine different questions. One, do identical twins have the same fingerprints? No. 
Really? Yeah. That's weird. Are identical twins actually identical in every other way? And why then not the fingerprints? I don't know. If they, I don't think they are actually identical in everything. I think they call them identical twins because, well, first of all, they split from the same egg. But I think they, I think they share a, a DNA markers, a lot of DNA markers. But I think that. But they're not pr- they're clones, basically. People. No, they're not clones. Interesting. Uh, and do your fingerprints exist because it's like a grippy thing? It's like for adhesion. It's like if you're grabbing something. I think so. Yeah. Because otherwise it would be like pointless. I wouldn't even know why they'd be there. Also, uh, wait, 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 wait. Wait. Ah, so then here's a question I have for you. I can't even begin to get my mind around this. This is like that. This is like that time I spent a year trying to figure out what a Chinese typewriter would look like. Um, before uh, computers and science and technology, how did they com- match fingerprints? People did it. But uh, I mean, how? Like, how would you? You look at it under uh, like a microscope. You look at it with a uh, uh, magnifying glass. I'm not saying if you have two next to each other. I'm saying like. Here's a fingerprint of this guy. Like, you couldn't match it against something on file. Like, you couldn't say, like, find me the match in the records. Um, Generally, it's, it's, well, the thing is, before computers, it was you had to have a reason. It's sort of like with DNA evidence now. You have to actually have a similar case or some circumstance where there was a thing. It's like you, you find fingerprints at the scene. You say, okay, we've eliminated the people who actually live there and their best friends, and right. here's this strange fingerprint. Oh, we have this suspect. Okay. And then you compare the suspect's fingers. Or if it's a like a serial crime like rapists or something, if there are fingerprints already on file, okay. you can compare those. So you could compare one fingerprint against another or a bank yeah. of suspects. But like you couldn't be doing the jazz where it's like, you know, here's fingerprint A. Go into the archives and see who matches it. Like no. it, That's impossible. No, like, you have no to actually find... You have to find one yeah. to compare it with. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, anyway, this woman, by the way, yes. uh, what happened with her was um, she uh, had emerged from under a bridge over the Sandy River last month and claimed she was attacked by two mysterious men and also noted that her husband was missing and that she feared for his life. And then as her story unraveled, as they say, uh, the detectives were a little suspicious, so they searched her property and found human remains, and yeah, they're her it's like It's like the lock where all the tumblers click but one, you know what I mean? Uh, I got the dismembering, check. Uh, muffled his screams, check. Uh, created an alibi for myself, check. Bury him somewhere far away from my own home uh, so I don't look like a retard. Oh, fail. You know, and then it's like, where is he? He's in the kitchen. Uh, by the way, this uh, says, hey, about that guy you're describing in the uh, Monster Camp film. Rick, the guy you're describing sounds like this guy I listened to on a radio show. He has all kinds of weird nervous tics and is a pop culture genius, but retarded in every other way. Steve. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> That's not that. very nice at all. No, it's not. I feel not. bad for whoever that radio person is. Yeah, I feel bad for the people around who have to work with him. I feel bad for people who listen to the radio and happen to listen to somebody who's <laughs> retarded. That's terrible. Well, I like for people to feel better about themselves, Don. I like to give people a baseline. Tillerman stumps. Uh, you know, the only way that would have been better if it had been stumps. Because then it would have been like right out of the cast of Hee Haw. What, Tillerman stumps? I thought that was you. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up, Rick? What's up? Um, I uh, I actually knew old man stumps. It's really sad that he died. Um, you know, and you asked the question, why, uh, why would they bury the, his body there? Is this leading up to a joke? No, not at all. Well, okay. they, they actually owned a giant tree farm up on Larch Mountain. And if you want to get rid of a body, that's the place to go. Yeah, that, that, that would work. A giant tree farm. Why would you say a tree farm is the place to get rid of a body, sir? Well, God, you've never seen it. <laughs> it's actually a, a giant Christmas tree farm. And, uh, 
you know, I'm actually really surprised they even found it. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know what a tree farm is. Like, if you're like, every time I have to drive from here to Kennewick, I don't know what kind of trees they are. But there's, uh, my wife and I call it the, uh, and we elongated it, we call it the spooky forest because it's just like this weird, it's like this walk-in wolf wood place where it's just it, it, these it, it, thousands and thousands of rows of trees that yeah. go on. It's like a battleship grid of trees, but it's like for billions and billions of miles, it seems like. But so you're saying just because it'd be, but see, a tree farm, it seems like it'd be, there'd be roots everywhere and it'd be difficult to dig up sufficient, uh, you know, uh, uh, a sufficient place to put the body. Well, they did own a lot of property. Some of it didn't have trees on it. All right. Well, okay. Fair enough. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. I'm still unclear about the tree farm. Is it just because why the tree farm? I think I I think his his implication is that it's a lot of acreage. All right. That they owned a lot of a, a large swath of property. It's not like she buried him in the backyard. It's like. She had acres of trees. I guess, but by that rationale, you could just say, well, a good place to bury would be the world, because there's a lot of it. I mean, I think people also don't take into consideration sometimes that it's not just a foot search that they do. They have they have dogs, mm-hmm. uh, cadaver have dogs, cadaver dogs. They can go over with helicopters and use like heat sensitive things. things that can find buried stuff. I was going to form a band called the Cadaver Dogs, and then we found out that there's a band that sucks called uh, that already. So, which is always the case. Uh, Rick, clearly. They need a stew maker in Corbett. I sense a job opening. <laughs> and uh, uh, let's see, Rick. Uh, let's see. Um, I called about the uh, last week. I called you about the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I saw it on the channel that plays 24/7 of all kinds of cool, nerdy, geeky sci-fi movies. And then he cleverly doesn't tell me what the actual channel is. Thank I you. Guess that's why he said he was going to write you. Yeah, I was going to let me know. It's on a channel apparently. Thank you. Uh, uh, let's see and. Something else. All right, here's Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Portland State Police ticketed a man for a road rage incident involving a pit bull. You know, I hear oh, those wait. pit bulls. Uh, what kind of dog? A pit bull. Those are dangerous animals, Sarah. I hear that they uh, they can't even be around children. I hear that as well. After a traffic conflict in Salem, investigators say 24-year-old Thomas Lockhart of Salem used his 1998 Toyota pickup to follow Jeffrey Doherty of Eugene in his 1996 Lexus for 30 miles on Interstate 5. When the driver stopped at a gas station, Lockhart allegedly blocked him in and told his pit bull to attack. Police say the man kicked the dog away, then Lockhart allegedly punched the man. The two fought until witnesses separated them. Lockhart drove off, but police caught up with him. I'm surprised he even had to tell the dog to attack, frankly, Sarah. It seems like you would have to almost tell a pit bull not to attack, mm-hmm. because clearly the default setting is... You are... You are you are baiting me. I am. Well, uh, can you go through that pile and find another story about a, a different kind of dog that has attacked anybody? <laughs> As your listeners may be aware, I own a pit bull. <gasps> and oh. I I get a little... In this case, though, there's a picture of Brucer, the pit bull. And he is actually a pit bull, although he looks like a pit bull, like maybe boxer mix. But my thing about this story is that um, the guy had a dog that he had trained obviously to attack on command and so which it means abuse psychological abuse basically to teach a dog to attack other people and Oregon State Police ticketed him they gave him a ticket for having a dog attack another person well now okay now this guy should be in jail for for criminal animal abuse well don't get me wrong we're big uh, we're big animal folks here but I, i'm gonna ask you some questions only because i don't know okay so these are questions that are just coming from a place of legitimate curiosity all right. brief okay all right i'm good finding our happy place oh, inside good. i'm good all right <laughs> i could always i could always find the popcorn song being played on the jews harp 
You you think I'm screwing with you? Just that phrase makes me happy. That would be like the worst song to have sex to ever. You mean that particular rendition? <laughs> that particular, well, that song at all, but that particular rendition. Uh, yeah, honey, let me put on a little sexy music. <laughs> little, little mood music. All right, that's for the big finish. Um, so, okay, now, so do you, and I don't really know, so I'm just, I'm just asking. This is like when like us to do like Ask the Atheist or something. So do you, is it then not true that pit bulls are inherently more aggressive? Do you dispute that they are inherently I, more aggressive? I dispute that they are inherently And I don't know the answer. I'm simply asking. I don't, I, I think it's pretty much been proven that they're... You think every dog is essentially the same level of aggression? It's all about how they're raised? I think some dogs... I mean, all uh, things being equal. I think some dogs do have a tendency, because of the way they've been bred and they've been used over the years, may have a tendency more towards dog aggression. And... Wow, sorry. Whoa. The popcorn bed just came out of nowhere there. Sorry. And, there and there are those who are much more expert than I who say that uh, pit bulls do have a, more of a tendency towards dog aggression because they have been bred as fighters right. over right. the years. Right. Um, and I noticed that with my dog, my dog is not real fond of other dogs. She won't, like, rip into one, but she'll go chasing after well, one. Well, that's, yeah, mine too. And, um, but the thing is, it's the thing with pit bulls that people don't understand is that they are extremely in their in their natural state. If they haven't been screwed with by evil Michael Vick type people, they're actually not human aggressive at all. Because if you think about it logically, if you have a very physically powerful dog that you are training to tear apart and kill other dogs, if you have one that bites a person, mm -hmm. you're going to put it down. You're right. not going to breed that dog and continue that line. So the lines. So the eugenics of it is just such right. that they're yeah. And traditionally, um, you know, they're terriers, so they originally... Some terriers are bastards, too. I had one. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're originally bred to, like, you know, chase vermin. Right. Um, and uh, as I may have mentioned before, in England, uh, they used to be called nanny dogs because they're so good with children that that people would let their children right. play with the pit bulls. Well, fair enough. So, All right. Well, that's because I don't know. I, you know, I think any dog that has been trained to attack people is a dog that's been abused. Right. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't. Whether it's a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd. Or, I mean, you know, it's there's one thing to train a dog to be protective. Um, I think that, and, and okay, and I think now I'm going to, we're going to get email from people going to say, what about police dogs? They're trained to attack people. I think that's a separate case. Well, that's because a, they're not trained through abusive means. And it's for the government. And also not trained to kill. They're they're trained to to go for arms and legs and to take, take and your junk. Down. By the way, Did, I went to a doggy palooza uh, because I'm that guy. <laughs> I so want you to say that again. My wife and I went to doggy palooza, Sarah, uh, which is at the zoo, like three, four months ago. And by the way, just, just for the record, you you'll note actually, I'll say a couple of things. You'll note on this program, there's a couple of uh, we deal in just stories of the most horrific type. I mean, just just the worst, most vile, most relentlessly off-putting. The stories you can possibly imagine. I mean, just many of them involving wood chippers, and it's. Uh, but you'll notice there's a couple of things that we don't uh, that we don't really uh, truck with, as they say in the south. Uh, and one of those things is stories having to do with uh, with animals, uh, you know, being being abused or whatever, because it just it just puts me in a it puts me in a disagreeable mood uh, to the uh, to the extent that it makes it difficult to do the show and to be amusing. So uh, we don't do that. So you don't. We're, I think we're all on the same page. No, we have all these like horrible like things that humans do to other humans. We just can never. No, I don't care about people though. I just don't. Uh, so like, I, I care about people like so much. Like, here's the thing. Like, I've never been fired by a dog. Uh, I've never been evicted by a dog. I've never been mugged by a dog. 
you know, never had the, my car stolen by a dog. So, I mean, really, people, they, uh, they, people have done all kinds of things to all of us. Everybody, everybody within the sound of my voice. Uh, like 98% of your problems, uh, they come from, uh, you know, some guy. But, so anyway, so we don't do animal stories just because I think we're all, I, especially when Tim was here too, it was the same way, where it would just make all of us, like, so blinded with anger that it would make him difficult to do the show. So we don't do any of those. Um, what was my point? Uh, blah, 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 something, something, something. Anyway, but I, with that being said, I just don't know. Like, I don't know a whole lot about it. Well, I would say to anyone who uh, would actually like to to read up on pit bulls, the history of the breed, uh, actual facts and statistics versus myth. Uh, there, you can go on the web to badrap.org. Uh, it's a Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area group that uh, they they do pit bull rescue. They do education. Uh, they're the people that uh, took the Michael Vick dogs and resocialized them and placed them in almost almost all of the the dogs that uh, it, Michael Vick had trained to kill had been used as bait dogs and these horrible things. Almost all of them have been placed in loving homes and are are happy nonviolent pets. Yeah. Uh, some of them are even being used as uh, as the, whatever I can't remember what they're called the dogs that go to hospitals and visit people. Therapy dogs. Therapy dogs. Some, therapy of, dogs. some of them are actually therapy dogs. Yeah. Uh, the, so badrap.org. There you go. Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, Pitbull Advocate. Yes. Uh, and this is all true. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, we come back. We got, uh, let's see, Geek Watch on the way. Double Penis Watch coming up. Katie Darrell from TMZ will join us later on today. Uh, you know, we didn't do the Facebook synchronization again today because I'm a terrible person. Uh, so we'll get to that. Don't forget, we have Watchman Passes. Uh, we will be giving away Watchman Passes at some point in today's program. Say there, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. Program. An excursion into amusements of all varieties. At uh, 503-733-2970. And so, of course, we go to break, and I'm immediately asking, you know what it is? Because you had, like, all this knowledge about uh, pit bulls and whatnot, you're like the doctor at the party where the guy's like, could you just take a look at this rash? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't itch all the time. But boy, when it does, you don't, I mean, just look. I don't think it's contagious. Just right there. And this here. Plus, I got a lump. So we go to break, and I'm immediately asking uh, uh, Don to like be the dog whisperer for Philo because he's just a, he's such a scaredy cat about everything. Uh, this one says, "Hey, about those remains in Corbett, Rick. Uh, the reason the remains were easy to find on this woman's property is because she tried to burn them. When the deputies arrived at the home to investigate her claims, they immediately discovered the burn pile out back and went right to work on it. Guess what they found? Yes, human remains." She really didn't do a good job of trying to hide anything. I'm sure the bulk of her brain power went to coming up with the great excuse that two men threw her over a bridge and stole her husband in their boat. <laughs> there you go. But which uh, of us really have not tried to use that as an excuse? Well, seriously, and it's always... You would think that they would come up with some sort of a different variation because it's always essentially the same thing. It is always... 
it's always either two sort of nondescript menacing guys or it's uh, it's like the anonymous huge black man. That's like if you're Susan Smith. Yeah. Uh, Susan Smith sort of set the gold standard for that. No, no, no. It was uh, no, it was a massive black man. And immediately, like everybody, like, no, well, of course, you know. And then of course, she's the one who rolled her uh, yeah. rolled her car to the lake or whatever. So it's like it is sort of comforting in a way that uh, it just idiots it, like this that they never get any smarter. You know what I mean? That they've never actually evolved to the point where they can come up with. Like a believable cover story or, you know, a way to hide the body. Blah, 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 blah. Remains to be seen. Blah, blah, blah. Here's Don Taylor. We have a penis watch. Do we ever. Here's uh, Don Taylor with your penis watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Here's Don Taylor with your penis watch, ladies and gentlemen. This story comes from the news courier, Athens, Alabama's best source for local news. <laughs> a limestone county... Athens, Car- Alabama? Athens, Alabama. You know, never mind. I was just going to say, there's an Athens, Georgia. There's an Athens, Alabama. Why is it that Why is it that American cities named after places like Paris and Athens are always in states where clearly... The, like that name just isn't appreciated or appropriate. You know what I mean? They're they're attempting to make it all fancy like. <laughs> I'm gonna get me to Paris, Texas. Do me some uh, do me some learning at one of their finer institutes of education, or whatever. The only good thing to come out of Paris, Texas, by the way, is the cowboy junkies. That's it. All right. Uh, a limestone county sheriff's deputy was called late Wednesday night to Huntsville Hospital to take an unusual report from a man who told officers he'd awakened <laughs> with a crochet needle stuck into his urethra. Yeah! Oh, God. The man who is not being named pending investigation, and I guess to save him humiliation in Athens, Alabama, uh, said he went to sleep with an ex-girlfriend. Always a mistake. <laughs> and when he awakened, the needle was completely embedded. Yeah! God. He stated to our officer he didn't know how it got there, the sheriff said. Let's wow. Let's add one and one together, shall we? Well, this will come as no surprise. He and his girlfriend had been drinking, <laughs> and it was there when he woke up. Uh, doc- Maybe he fell. Doctors at the hospital x-rayed the man, found it inserted all of the way in his penis, and then removed the object. So, a crochet needle, is this like a knitting needle? No, it's it's. Is this the kind with the hook on the end? Yeah, it's the kind with the hook on the end. That's no good, because you know, you, then you just got to keep pushing it all the way in until it comes out of your ear. There's really because there's no backing up. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's ask, like a. Ask Doctor Rick. It's like one of those Chinese finger traps. <laughs> uh, I remember. Well, so I remember. Uh, the, here's why. Here's why I. Not why I know that instinctively, but I mean, here's why that image appears in my head. Of the, the well, we can't, it can't come, come out the, you know, the way it went in. We just got to keep jamming it in until it comes out somewhere else. When I was a kid, here's a story that'll horrify you. Um, a thing that we're fascinated by uh, on this program is the. Um, there's only co- like two kinds of injuries that I found really compelling. The huge injury, which is again like the where's the body? Oh, I put it through this log splitter, or the tiny injury. Which is like, and then I got a paper cut on my eye. 
So the tiny injury is also horrifying. Uh, and the, the quintessential tiny injury that we discussed in this program is like that Twin Peaks episode where there's the uh, the tweezers underneath the fingernail. Oh, no, no, no. And see, that's a corpse, and it still freaks you out. That's Laura Palmer, right, where they find the letter yeah. underneath her? Yeah. And, but you know, you well, watch that. Well, both Laura Palmer and Ronette. Yeah, and that's no good. Or I not never, Ronette, but the girl at the beginning. I remember when they showed that on television, though, and you could, it's like you could hear. No, and you hear that paper that, even uh, though it shouldn't have a sound effect, it has like that. A country like, of oh, 200 yeah. million people going, ah! But uh, when I was a kid, I was uh, fishing with my dad. And something, I'm doing something or other. You'll find this hard to believe. I'm not much of an outdoorsman. And fishing would not really like my strong suit or anything. So I was trying to like bait the hook or do a thing or something or other. Be manly in some way. And I uh, ran a fish hook right through my finger. And it like came out the other side, of course. Like I, you know, it was like I was baiting the hook uh, with my pinky. And I remember my dad saying like, well, don't move, because you pull it out, it's going to hurl a whole lot more, I say, giving my dad a southern accent for no reason. And he reaches into the tackle box, and he gets like the the uh, the uh, the wire cutters. And the deal is that like he had to like continue pushing it through my finger until the barb came out, and then he had to cut off the barb. Because if he tried to pull it out, that's the whole deal. Like it gets caught in the fish and the whatever. So, the, so this is a crocheting needle that has the hook. Now, is the hook, is it... Not that it matters much, I guess, at this point, but is it pointy or is it sort of a blunt hook? It's kind of a blunt hook. But I mean, I but guess still, it's, it's still a it's hook. A game so, of, game of going into so I first have the question of, like, was it put in hook first? Would Which would make it difficult for the doctors to get it. Because otherwise out. they could just go, like, look over there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I'm, I mean, how drunk would you have to be before you wouldn't notice someone inserting a crocheting hook into your, you know, your, your whatnot, like into your urethra? Uh, it just doesn't, it makes, <laughs> like, there's no. I can't imagine the amount of alcohol that that would require. I also just don't understand the uh, motivation on her part. Even if you're very no, angry, that doesn't... you crazy. Just angry or crazy, that just doesn't seem like... I, I just don't understand the thought process that leads to that. I mean, here's the thing. is like maybe it's because I'm... And Dave, David Walker is out there somewhere uh, and nodding in assent to this. I can understand her motivation way more than his motivation because she's clearly crazy uh, and a crazy ex-girlfriend. What I don't understand is, like, it's just... It, it, it's like logic 101 and I don't think it works the other way. In other words, it's logic 101 that if you are a guy and you have a crazy ex-girlfriend, you know what? The thing about the crazy ex-girlfriend is that she is, A, more likely to call you at about 1.40 in the morning going, so I was just uh, watching Emmanuel 5, um, and so I was wondering if you're not um, busy, you could come over and, um, and you know, and, and also, like, so that's A, and B is... It, it's more than likely going to be like way, way worth your while to go over there. I mean, it's just like the because the crazy sex is, of course, right. like the, you know, that's the as crazy goes up, like whatever. Right. The crazy hot scale. Exactly. Um, and so there's, but it's understood as a guy, you just don't ever like you don't fall asleep. Like that's the thing, you just stay awake. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's uh, you just it's like it, it's like in every Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So like, we've got to stay awake. Because the minute you fall asleep, it's like suddenly you're going to wake up and she's going to be shaving your head and setting your feet on fire or, you know, jamming a, a crocheting needle into you. But I don't think it works the other way. So, like, you got a boyfriend, even if he was a crazy boyfriend or an ex-boyfriend that calls you over, you go over, you, I mean, you could fall asleep there because he's probably not going to, probably not going to do anything nutty, right? That seems to be like a, that seems to be a girlfriend thing as opposed to a, a, a Girls boyfriend are, thing. Girls are very spiteful. Yeah. Yeah. Girls are very creative in, in their crazy. Right. Men, men, not so much. They're just, they're just moody and temperamental and make you miserable and screw with your head. The weird women will actually do things to you. And like, you gotta wonder when he woke up, like, how is it that he noticed? Like, did he wake up and go, oh, something feels different? He uh, got up, 
threw his legs over the side of the bed, wandered to the bathroom, and was like, this, this is not working. Uh, well, it seems oh, to be God. the problem. Uh, let's see. Maybe I'll just pinch my nose and blow, you know, the press real hard, see what happens. Uh, or did he wake up, or was it like, did he not notice the crocheting needle? In, how long is a crocheting needle? Um, generally, they're a good six inches long or so. They're they're, so, they're long. I mean, good for him. I was going to say, well done. Yeah, I mean, that's completely submerged. Well, the thing Congratulations, is, so the urethra sir. is longer than the length that's of true, the That's true, because there's like the inside itself. penis. Yeah, so, so part of this was actually inside his body, I'm thinking. The inside penis. Is that like the I third eye? I reading about there that. There is an inside penis. It is. It's like it continues... Welcome to Inside Penis with Don Taylor. So if, if I may, if I may be medical for a moment, because this this is educational. It's a news here story. On Casey Rick didn't know he had uh, that. This is why um, this is why men experience pleasure from stimulation of the area behind the testicles, because you're actually there's actually a continuation of the uh, the penis with inside the body. You know, and uh, knowing is half the battle. Gone. So thank you. I just wonder if like he turned over or something and like oh, I'm gonna sleep on my front for a while. Yeah. Oh, and then it's a whole lot of bad. All right, and we're done. There's your penis watch for uh, Tuesday. On the Take Rick a look at my enormous penis and my troubles start a melting away. We talk about the best things. Yes, we do, Don. You get a lot of uh, you get a lot of spam that's in, in like Cyrillic. I'm on Gmail, so I get almost no spam. You know, if you're on Gmail today, you're getting no spam and quite possibly getting nothing at all, Don Taylor. I, I've had no problem with Gmail today, so I must have come in after the. Uh, the I think they fixed it. It was out all over the entire world for long sections of uh, today. Do you know I have what? it open uh, right now? It probably didn't affect you guys because uh, it was it would have been in the middle of the night here in America. Uh, but yeah, Gmail went out worldwide. Uh, let's say this is actually now this is from the Telegraph, but this did this is a worldwide problem. Uh, Google's web-based email service, Gmail, crashed this morning, leaving millions of users from Britain to Australia unable to send and receive messages. The service went off at around 10.25 Greenwich Mean Time. The outage appears to have affected users across the globe. It appears that only Gmail access is affected. Users can continue to send and receive messages using other devices, such as mobile phones, third-party uh, mail clients, and uh, whatnot. So there you go. I hear the Gmail spam filter is uh, is pretty fearsome. I hear it works pretty well. Yeah. I never get spam. I never. I I never get. Every once in a while, I'll get something, and then you hit like report spam, right? And it'll just say, okay, we won't send you that mm. anymore, and it's just gone. The Yahoo spam filter actually works uh, really well. The, the only difference is when I'm doing my my Rick at Rick Emerson uh, stuff. I actually have just got my spam filter more or less. It's not turned off, but it's set to the lowest possible setting because I'm getting stories all the time. They're like, hey, look at this penis story. <laughs> like about 80% of the stuff that people would send me to read on the air gets flagged as spam. So I have to have my spam filter real low. Well, I have 865 things at the moment in my spam filter. I never even think to look at it. I have 773. I go through there sometimes, and it's amazing uh, the stuff that's in there that shouldn't be in there. I um, here's, here's a story. Here's something you don't want to happen to you. So I was at, you know, I do Outlook Portland for uh, Portland CW, the Gossip Girl Network. That's when I'm not broadcasting here on KCMD Portland. And I was there the other day, and uh, um, uh, the producer was like, hey, so, uh, you know, the general manager of the whole West Coast division of the company has been trying to find you for like a month. And I said, what do you mean? Yeah, I've been emailing you repeatedly and is annoyed that you won't email back. And I said, well, I, okay, uh, sorry. Please tell her I said uh, Rick Emerson regrets the air. And I went and I checked my spam filter, and it's like, Nine, and that—that's the—that's the worst, by the way. That's like 
It's like listening back to a series of increasingly frantic answering machine messages, but instead you get the whole story at once. Where I look to my spam filter, and sure enough, the GM and uh, regional GM and I think senior vice president for the West Coast for the CW had sent me all these emails. First, starting off with like, you know, you, you know, great job. Let's get lunch sometime, and then to like, so when you have a second, get back to me. Then the, you know, you can you can also call me, and then <laughs> why aren't you responding? Are you getting the, you're fired or whatever? It was just escalating up and up, and I got the whole picture at once. So then I had to go through and, like, then I was, like, anally, retentively checking, like, the 18,000 spams in my uh, in my folder, making sure that there was nothing crucial in there. So it's uh, it can be a little freaky. I'm in the process of, uh, I'm going to be uh, writing for a new, another website, and uh, we're in the process of doing the whole contractual thing. And they are part of the AOL network. They're owned by AOL. And... So the, my contact, the editor, was like, okay, yeah, his thing, we need your address. I sent him my address. I'm like, okay, we'll get the, the information should be coming out to you uh, anytime now. So and if you don't see it, just you know, check your spam folder and make sure. And I thought, okay, if they actually just tell you, like, you're getting something from AOL, so you have to check your spam folder, yeah. I, that's a problem. It's not like a If ring. they just tell you that unasked. Just make sure you check your spam folder for the meal, the mail from us. Look, the thing that ends in AOL.com is probably going to be flagged as uh, as useless and be put in your spam folder. So just FYI. Uh, Love your new employers. <laughs> uh, let's do these and we'll take a break. Uh, still to come in the next hour, let's, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent. I'm so confused about who's on when. Lisa Desjardins. Will join us at uh, 115. Uh, later on, we'll be giving away uh, Watchmen passes. That is for the and that's for the like the extra special screening. That's not for the people's screening. That's for the man's screening. That I think Don Taylor will be at. I will. Uh, so uh, you know you might be able to sit in close proximity to Don Taylor. And if you talk, I'll yell at you. <laughs> She'll stab you with a crocheting needle in the most <laughs> private of places. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Rick Emerson, Sarah Dillon, Don Taylor. Hello. Uh, here, here on KCMD Portland, part of the Tiffany Network. Thank you. Uh, I want to say something about uh, pit bulls. Uh, my friend uh, that I grew up with high school had a pit bull, and I swear it's just the nicest, goofiest, sweetest dog I've ever met in my life. Out of any, any, you know, any smaller dogs, and I want to say pit bulls have a lot of head muscle. If you know, <laughs> that's the, yeah, they that they can sense. they can hurt you more by just like being all lovey and then smacking you with that giant concrete skull. Oh, I thought you meant like they could. I thought you meant like they could emotionally abuse you or something. <laughs> they, they'll break your heart, Rick. So they fill you with self-doubt. All right. Anything one else more, today, sir? I want to thank Don Taylor, favorite Left 4 Dead character. Oh, uh, I usually play Francis. Really? Yeah. Because he's fast and loose with the rules, and he's a renegade? Exactly. All right, good for you. All right, well, you, sir? Uh, I like Bill. I All like right. the, uh, the grizzled war veteran. My wife plays as Bill, actually. My wife was playing as Bill last night. She's coming along uh, nicely. She was, she's been playing that beautiful Katamari game, and that is totally... I was going to say the meanest thing, but it's like, you know what it is? It's like those... Uh, you know, it's like somebody who has some sort of degenerative uh, illness, or they have to, or they've been uh, injured somehow, or they get, or they got like a fake uh, arm or something. They have to learn how to use it again, and they have that thing where they walk around with like a big inflatable ball that's like teaching them how to use their muscles. Because the last time she played video games, it was like the, you know, like the, the, the Super Nintendo or something, and it's just like leaps and bounds since then. And so she's playing the Katamari game, which is getting her up to speed on how to use the dual thumbsticks. And so she's got it. Uh, she's now got it to the point where she can get to a safe room. Like and she's you know she's almost dead but she's not quite dead so she actually can live from one safe room to the next and she always plays as Bill and then I play as Zoe and then we'd look at each other and agree not to discuss the weird gender dynamics that that probably indicates. Thank you. That's over. Bye now. All right.
Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, Don Taylor returns with more news and whimsy. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will also give away Watchmen passes and so forth. Plus, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com or your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Is that the Vandals or Bad Religion? I don't know what the hell I'm That's talking about. That's the Vandals. All right. See, I've had a 50-50 chance, but I'm a composer. So. Well, I love them both, so. I don't know. That seems strange, Sarah, that we'd be coming back from a commercial break, uh, break playing the Vandals. I'm so hot from jumping around. Normally, it's Christmas time before we play the Vandals. <laughs> I know. Well, the Vandals are one of my favorite bands out of Bad Religion, and I just found out that Lisa Wood and I get to go to Vegas and interview them and see both of them play together um, at the end of March. I am so excited. I can't even put it into words. I'm just going to say, by the way, that during the break, Sarah was actually in the uh, room down the hall, and you were doing not just, like, people are like, are you jumping up and down? You weren't jumping. You were actually doing jumping jacks. She was, <laughs> we were jumping was full-on and then, jumping jacks of excitement. And then Court and Fatboy started making fun of me and then started jumping them. For some reason, all of our spastic jumping turned into jumping jacks. And I walked by, and it was like the weirdest, like, arrested <laughs> development moment. Like, I walked by, and you're like, like in there together, and I stopped and I looked, and then I just sort of like walked, you know, kept walking. So I'm so because I, I was supposed to go to Vegas this year because my friends always go to Viva Las Vegas, like that Rockabilly car show, and we weren't all gonna, we weren't going to go this year. Um, nobody was going to go, and I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to go to Vegas. And now I get to. I'm still jumping. I'm sorry. The Vandals of Natural Religion. Be jealous. I never get anything free. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Okay. I'm, just, I'm really hot now. No, we need no. to turn down the heat. I'm, and if I'm not saying anything, it's because it really is, and I, and I don't mean for this to sound uh, cutesy. It is just like the most charming thing ever. It's just like this is my dream. Like, it's totally, if I was 16 and it's like, you know, someone told me that I would be able to, like, talk to two of the most epic bands in my life, I'd just be, I wouldn't even believe it. I'm just really excited. This really is like one of the sweetest things I've seen in quite some time. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, you. it's. It's not like the next month when I'm going to Britney Spears in Vegas, oh. Sarah. But I mean, Wait, it's okay. When, when is Britney Spears? Uh, I'd say it's April. So oh, darn. Know. No, it will not be. be awesome we won't be there at the same time, sadly. <laughs> I'll be seeing uh, Britney Spears and Donnie and Marie Osmond back to back. That's right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. I mean, I know you've got your punk bands with their credibility and with their writing their own music and their, you know, like legendary influence and so forth and their playing an instrument. You know, <laughs> that's all well and good. I'm not lip syncing. Not lip syncing. Not showing us their vaginas. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hello, Lisa Desjardins. How are you? Well, boy. 
Jeez, hello. It's been Hi. quite a morning, Lisa. How's your day gone? Good. I'm really excited for Sarah. Thanks, Lisa. I know, and it's cool. like one of my good friends, too, and I'm so excited. I'm, like, sweating from running around the station. <laughs> Seriously, it was, I mean, it was really like, it's like that time that my, uh, it's like the time that my uh, dog inadvertently licked an electric fence, which is a whole long story. And it was like, but it did that thing of just, like, it picked some path around the house and just went, like, in circles until it then just fell over, like, <laughs> and just laid there for half an hour. That's so, what it used to be. It's monkey hour. Like, you just have to run yeah. around for about ten minutes. That was my monkey hour. Yeah, it was like, and the best thing ever was that I was just walking down the hall, and even though I kind of intellectually knew why you were so excited, just walking by, and it's like you and Court and Fatboy all doing, like, this weird sort of jazzercise thing, like, in some ad hoc workout session was uh, pretty fantastic. Well, I'm very excited for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Excellent. Yeah. All right, Lisa. Hey, can I read an email about you, Lisa, or will it make you feel awkward? Uh, yeah. Great. So, yes, and yes. This email says about Lisa. Lisa Desjardins is just on, uh, was just on breaking news about the Illinois senator. She looked like she wanted to kill the guy who was talking. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I did have my serious reporter face on. That's true. As I, and that, which I didn't realize until we. What just happened is, you know, Roland Burris, uh, your favorite current senator, I'm assuming, uh, was is sitting down, was sitting down with fellow Illinois Senator Dick Durbin. Yeah, Durbin basically his his goal in that meeting was to try and get Burris to resign. He's not saying that, but that's pretty much the deal. He should have settled for make him cry. <laughs> so so Burris, you know, runs out this back entrance. Everyone chases him down, and nobody he... gets anything. And then we come back, and then Durbin has this news conference in a very small room, and everyone just crammed in there. So I kind of snuck around to this corner right behind him, where apparently where I only realized after I came back that I was right in the camera shot. And I was behind him, so I kind of had this intense, I was trying to listen, I couldn't quite hear too clearly all the time, so I had my intense, but I was mad because he was dodging some questions, so it did bug me. So you weren't mad at the guy, wait, I'm so unclear, so, yeah. okay, so were you on, you were on t CNN television just now? I was just, yeah, I was just in the background right. of, a, of a news conference that was, was Dick Durbin basically talking about okay. whether Roland Burris should resign or not. All right, and I was so, standing right behind Senator Durbin. And it was Durbin who was dodging the questions, and you yeah, were becoming bit, yeah. peeved at his uh, lack of uh, clear bit. responses. Yeah, he's usually not the big dodger. Usually he, he will get around to answering a question, but this time he was pulling the old... I told Senator Burris, if I were him, I would consider resigning. Well, he does, like, like, is is uh, if I were him? Is that the new? Some people say. Yes, that's exactly right. Which is always used for I things know. that like no one ever says. Some people say that we ought to let terrorists come and take over the entire country <laughs> and kill our squirrels. <laughs> exactly right, which is puts us all in a box because then we can't report. You know, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin says. Roland Burr should resign because he didn't really he could all then everybody would call us and say he didn't say that so you know it, it bugged me so you know we did finally get him to be a little bit more direct about it but hey yeah. uh, not to make everything about me but let's talk about me uh, for just a second in my life so yeah. here's how your job is different than mine so uh, you were having the whole thing where the guy didn't really want to answer the questions and he's kind of dodging a little bit and he's kind of a little bit yeah giving him wiggle room he is as mary madeline uh, used to say uh, he's equivocating and he's prevaricating <laughs> um uh and, and she always always sounding like she'd had several glasses of like chablis before she decided <laughs> to start making those statements um it's not always wrong but um so in, and I, I know that you know as a journalist you can't really just you know you can't just go like cuff a guy or just you know sort of like uh, you know like knock him around until he answers or just sort of you know begin screaming at him or something and you also and plus I know that it must frustrate you let me let me back up because I okay. I'm not implying that you would ever do this it, some people say Lisa mm -hmm. that it would be frustrating for a reporter and a reporter would it, it would just want to 
speak the plain truth to the people and say, look, Senator Durbin is a weasel, uh, is a weasel and clearly it doesn't want to admit the things we all know are true, and he's just given us a bunch of... Uh, just a bunch of oily garbage uh, right now. A bunch of hooey. A bunch of hooey, and he has the morals of a weasel on speed. So <laughs> I know you can't do that. Right. Here's, here's how that is different from, from what I do. So in addition to this uh, radio show, I do Outlook Portland, which is this Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, yeah. A chat show uh, on the CW here in Portland. And, you know, we kind of do uh, current events and culture and whatever, and sometimes it's a serious issue, sometimes it's not. And because it's a news show, I'm sort of required to try to give all sides to an issue and to be fair and to give like a balanced viewpoint love, a bunch of, yeah like a bunch of other gibberish that doesn't, that doesn't really matter um but so today we had this guy on from the oregon and it's not going to air until this sunday but we had this guy on from the oregon chapter of the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws because their whole thing is now that there's a new administration maybe there can be some movement on medical marijuana and on decriminalization and maybe using it to bring in revenue for the states and whatever yeah, that's getting a lot of play everywhere, right? It, it really, I mean, all at once. Right? Like in Vegas, there's a thing about it, and I think in some other state, uh, some assemblyman introduced a bill just to flat out legalize it, like hands. Like in California, actually, I think it was. Yeah, and there's some that are trying to say, D, trying to get people in D.C. since we're super democratic, you know, by voters anyway, uh, to do it too. Yeah. So we're, you know, so we're having uh, that whole subject this morning, and try as we might, we just couldn't find anybody to take the opposing view which is sort of like this that we did a show on gay marriage a couple weeks ago, and we just couldn't find anybody who was willing to come on camera on the show and be publicly opposed to gay marriage no on the program. They just, well, I think after the election, this is just me saying this, my opinion, I think after the election, I think a lot of folks who are on the uh, right side of the aisle on certain things, huh. they're just feeling, I think, a little, a little battered right now, and they just, they're just going to keep their head down, and they're going to kind of regroup before they go out there and start making public statements, because I think maybe. they feel like maybe the momentum of the, con uh, the country is, uh, is again them right now. Maybe, yeah. So, I don't know. Long story short, we had this guy from Normal on, and we couldn't find anybody to come on and speak against uh, the legalization of, of pot, and so wow. we punted, and so for the second time, I just had a sock puppet with me, and I had... <laughs> I had a, a sock on my hand that I on which I had drawn big googly eyes. And last time he was Socko the Family Values puppet. Uh, today he was Socko the Prohibition puppet. And so if you tune into Outlook Portland this coming Sunday at 6.30 on the CW, you will see myself. You will see uh, a guy named Russ Belleville, uh, who is from the chapter, uh, the Oregon chapter of Normal. And then you'll see Socko the Prohibition puppet saying things like, don't you believe this sends a mixed message to children that some drugs are okay, leading them to ever harder fixes? I think that is great. Don't you wish you could do that with like a Durban puppet, though? I, yeah, a little bit. You know, and usually he he's, he's up and down. Sometimes he'll be direct and sometimes not. But yeah, it. You know what? I'm really parsing here, but it it still did bug me because you know, come on, you know that he probably wants Roland Burris to go. But so why doesn't he just say that? Here's the thing. I'm not saying that you would put words in his mouth, but what you should do is this. You should threaten this. You should say, look, if you don't answer my questions, I'm not going to make things up. I'm not going to uh, you know, ascribe motivations or thoughts or feelings to you that maybe you don't actually have. But if you don't start giving us like the straight answer, we will actually relay your words as you spoke them to the audience, but it will be through a poorly constructed sock puppet. It'll be like you, uh, like your voice, but like Syphil and Ollie on the screen. Exactly. Like a bad sock, like button eyes going, I am of two minds about Senator Burris. I am, it is up to him and what he believes to be the correct way. And meanwhile, on the screen, uh, there's just like a sock sort of jittering back and forth. <laughs> I think that's, that's great. I, will, I can actually email uh, his people. 
uh, and, and let them know. Okay, you let me, you let me know what Starting future in the beginning now. Beginning uh, now. Um, let's see. What else? Okay, so we've got, so, uh, so Obama is making, I'm so out of the loop on certain things. I didn't even know he was making, I guess it seems like every day he's making a speech to some <laughs> assembly of really important people somewhere. Well, th this actually is a biggie. This is the next biggie after the inauguration. This is essentially the State of the Union, except we don't call it that because he's a new president. I'm not even sure why we don't call it that. We might as well, but we don't. We call it it's an economic message speech uh, to Congress. And, and the reason that uh, probably a lot of your listeners know that this is happening today or might have suspected is because, thank goodness, Bravo is running a West Wing State of the Union, or it was, State of the Union marathon episodes today, and it was phenomenal. Fantastic. Yeah. So, th so that was your cue. You know, and, and actually, I would like to see this in the future. You know, if Bravo could then uh, run, you know, West Wing White House versus Congress standoff marathon to let you know what's really happening. You, you kind of could cue in or, you know, uh, America at war, West Wing marathon. And, or they could do like a whole series of, uh, you know, they could do a whole series of Christmas episodes. Right. Reminding everybody that the season is upon us and it's time to buy a Fabergé egg for a loved one. <laughs> exactly. But the deal is uh, Obama's speech tonight to Congress, President Obama's speech, is probably going to be pretty long, 50 minutes to an hour long, depending on how much applause he gets. We're told not a tremendous amount of specifics, but it, they're, they're, they're casting it this way. Uh, their, their speaking point is it will present a game plan for how to fix the economy, that it will be more optimistic. You know, he's been criticized by former President Clinton and some others recently as being, being too down, being a little too negative on the economy. Yeah, we, because, and the Obama White House has been said, this is going to take time. It's not going to happen right away. Well, now some people are saying, oh, you, you're too much of a downer. You know, so we do expect more optimism and more, hey, we can do it. We're the best ever. Every time we've been down, we've gotten back up. We've been stronger. Maybe not after the Civil War, but he probably won't get into that. So um, he is going to be most optimistic in general, confronting the economy. And, and You totally sound, don't take this the wrong way, you totally yeah. sound like an advanced man working on the speech with the president. <laughs> Where you're talking, it's like you're holding up, you're holding like emotional swatches up for him to look at. Okay, we are happy, we are enthusiastic, but we are not overly optimistic. We are positive, but we are not, uh, but we are not flighty. We are energetic, but we are not out of control. Yeah. We are grounded, but we are not dull. Yeah, it, that, yeah, that, you're right. I'm just spitting out what I'm getting, and that's bad. But yeah, that's that's. Uh, did that's you see? Uh, did you see Clinton on uh, Larry King? Did you, no, where I, Larry King did the. You know, and Larry, Cl Larry King, who just sort of seems like, I guess he's just going to be, like, grandfathered into, like, everything for the rest of his life. It you know, I mean, he, he, I guess he's, he's like the guy with the permanent reserved uh, table, uh, you know, at Elaine's or something. Right. Like, he'll just he never. Go to. Yeah, yeah, so he's sitting there and he's talking to Bill Clinton. And, you know, Larry King is doing that thing of looking down at the paper like, occasionally like he's not quite sure what room he's in or why. But it doesn't matter because Bill Clinton is just still so unbelievably just so gifted and just just such a master mm. and clinton has that great even as he looks more and more and more like wc fields like <laughs> his delivery and his just his power and his command of the language and his ability to throw out just a carefully crafted sentence that just makes you feel so much better instantly you know what bill clinton is bill clinton is like he's like an emotional lidocaine where, you know, it's like where you burn yourself or something and they put it on and immediately it's like, ah, I feel better. I know there's something still wrong, but I can't feel it. For some reason, right? Larry King is talking to me. He's like, so, uh, President Clinton, uh, everything is terrible and, uh, 
We all appear to be doomed, and uh, it, it, one suspects that uh, toads will begin falling from the sky <laughs> imminently. Your thoughts, sir. And then Bill Clinton said, he said the greatest little phrase. That, and it's like, I don't even know what it means. It, but it's like, I, I heard it, and I went, ah, and I relaxed. He said, he said, everybody who has ever bet against America has lost. Yeah, that, yeah, and I think I think the Obamians are gonna. I gotta figure the, the Obamaers. I don't know. It's, I don't even know what that means. It's They're just gibberish. Air. It means nothing. Yeah. But I'm watching television. It's like I can that. feel that kind of thing. But meanwhile, I feel bad. I gotta go. I'm sorry. All right, go glare at somebody. Okay, all right. All right, we'll talk to you soon. There you go, Bye. Lisa Desjardins. Hey, by the way, and somebody sent me a picture of the glaring. Oh, you can watch uh, the uh, CNN. Uh, you go to CNN's website tonight. Watch the Obama address live while con- while uh, contributing on Facebook. Really. Um, yes, because that's a that's a that's a it's, it's much all better. tied in together on CNN's website. I'd strongly suggest that you do that as opposed to I don't know trying to make something of yourself. Whatever yeah. you do, stay at home and log into Facebook so you can share your thoughts with other people on Facebook while you're clicking like a, a like a bejeweled game and then like a, doing like a Flash Beatles quiz. I've never seen people more addicted to anything than I have seen with Facebook. All right. Well, that's constant like you, you're actually you're you're lucky that you aren't involved with that because it's it must be kind of freeing i know it you know and i gotta tell you it's it, it, it's not like i'm trying to be like i'm not better than anybody else or whatever i just i don't do it because if i didn't have a myspace page i probably would have a facebook page it's just to me i think i have i have reached the critical mass it's like at what point at what point is like one more plate going to be too many mm-hmm. and i think facebook is that uh, you know, by the way, I am looking at this screen cap uh, from CNN. This is uh, Roland Burris under fire. It says uh, fellow Illinois Senator Dick Durbin asks him to resign. So there's uh, Durbin in the foreground was like, you know, he's like speaking into the, the, the you know, the, the sea of microphones. And then there are four people in the background. One of is Lisa, who does look really peeved. I mean, it's not like she's going to leap across the table and, like, beat his ass or anything, but she does look really sort of unhappy with the way things are going. Look she at that. Does. That's a whole lot of, like, come on. Just come <laughs> uh-huh. on. Give me something. Oh, really? Ten minutes I'm standing here. That's kind of the catch in totally the look on her face. Like, yeah. I, I'm not buying this. <laughs> no. No. All right. You know, the thing, here's the thing about, about Lisa. I don't say this when she's, she's on the amazing. phone. It embarrasses her. Well, I was going to say, like, it, it's just... I don't even know if she's aware of this because she does seem so genuinely just, um, she seems so genuinely naive about certain things. And by certain things, I mean like the fact that she's so smart, uh, much smarter than the people she's covering. Like she's, like she's like 50 times smarter than most of the people that she has to sit there and ask questions of. You know what I mean? And uh, anyway, it's got to be a little She's weird. a woman of much patience. That's what I'm saying. All right. Hey, by the way, following up on Saturday's big Watch Out for Spores headline, uh, the Oregonian, which can't be a coincidence. I sent text messages to like five different people about the Oregonian headline on Saturday because it's like the front page, like the front page above the fold headline just said, watch out for spores with an exclamation mark. Except the uh, photos of still from that Star Trek episode with the uh, the big flowers that would shoot <laughs> the dust into Spock's face. No, no, it's a, no, it's a Raquel Welch in Fantastic Voyage being attacked <laughs> by a... Um, but, um, which... You know, and I'm not saying it came from me, but it clearly is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 reference. But there's no way that the Oregonian, why would, of all the ways, because I guess it's about allergies or about, I don't know, crap in the air or lung ailments or respiratory problems or whatever. I didn't bother to read the article, like everyone. Um, I mean, really, let's let's be honest. Let's not let's not traffic in a tissue of lies here. I didn't stop to read the Oregonian. but But it said, watch out for spores with an exclamation mark. Of all of the billions of sentences you could have put together with the 26 letters in the English language, why would you ever come up with watch out for spores 
exclamation mark unless you're referencing the mystery science theater thing. There's just no other. I mean, it, that seems uh, highly improbable to me. Today, by the way, uh, the article is Portland-based Greenwood Resources is poised to invest millions to grow timber in China, where the wood product industry thrives, but forestry expertise lags. I have two observations to make, then we'll break and we'll come back. One, the Oregonian, and I understand why they do this, because it really is, it is like USA Today's world, and it has been for some time, and we just sort of live in it. So everything is slowly becoming more and more and more like a picture menu at McDonald's, which is fine, you know? Uh, like eventually they'll just like in the front there won't even be in, like words on the front of the paper at some point where a guy where they're like explaining the economy, it's going to show like a dollar sign and then next to it like a frowny face emoticon with like one through ten tears depending on exactly how far the Dow fell that day. But they're doing this thing where the sub headline is that what this is called? What's this called, Don? Subhead. The subhead. Where that really is just the entire story. It used to be just like five or six words that would give you a broad overview. Now it really is like it, it is like an absolute. It's like a, like a, a complete description of the story. It is a, a completely boiled well, down. People don't synopsis. actually read news stories anymore. Well, no, they just read the headlines. And so, like yourself. And then it says, yeah, and then it says three. See a forest through the trees. And then I had some other point to make, but we're way over time. So, except to say that right here on the bottom is what looks very much to be the spooky forest where uh, Laura and, and I. Shining. Yeah, where we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bury people someday. That looks like that looks like the uh, the the path to the hotel in The Shining. That does look like when he's stuck in the maze. Let me see. Right there. Oh yeah, or um in whatever that. Oh never mind. The village, at the end. Yes. So there you go. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Back after this, more with Dawn Taylor from Film.com. Do you have actual uh, film DVD news today? I do. Excellent. Uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ as well. It's 503-733-2970. We will also uh, give away Watchmen passes, and we're going to tell you how you can win Watchmen passes online without even picking up the phone later this week. You stay there. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come, more with Don Taylor. Uh, we will also be giving away Watchmen passes sometime in the uh, next hour, so be listening uh, for that as well. And uh, Oh, by the way, I never told you who was coming to Portland, did I? Oh, yeah, who? Okay, I won't make you do 20 questions. You're like five. Okay, man or woman? Man. Older? Uh, then who? Then, I don't know, you? Yes. Um, like she looked at me first, then went, oh, I should know Because <laughs> <laughs> no, you're ageless, my friend. I wouldn't even know. Before <laughs> I start. Um, singer? No. Actor? Mm, sort of. In, uh, in front of the camera. In front of the camera. I don't know. Do you have anybody that you can think of, Don? That, that sounds like it might be a politician. No. No. So is he like a host of a show? Yes, he is. Carson Daly. No. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Pass Jack. I'm just going to start saying things. Mario Lopez. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Forget it. Uh, you know what we'll do? Alex Trebek? You just, okay. You know what? <laughs> I, I want, Bill O'Reilly. Stop. I want someone to... I'm going to wear like a string or something around my... Like one of those things that you wear around your arm to remind you of something. Like it, it's going to be... This string is going to be remind me to not do like the 20 questions, five questions, a skillion, one question ever. 
because it just never goes correctly. So, you know what, we'll do? here's the thing. We'll do this here in a bit. We'll start all over again, and uh, we'll do it as a giveaway uh, device. Not for Watchmen uh, passes, but for some... Did I have any other thing we have to give away? Box. No, just, just you're ruining everything. I'm done. We're moving on. Did I tell you about the other thing we're giving away? No. It's, uh, we'll get to it in a second. I don't mean to be that guy who's like guaranteeing something, but we'll uh, talk to Katie Darrell. We'll be done with that. I will tell you about this other thing we're giving away, which is righteous, by the way. And then next hour, uh, Watchmen passes. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com. Katie Darrell, hello. How are you today? Well, Rick, I'm a little ticked off because now you've teased two things while I was on hold, and I want to know what they are, but we're going to get done this conversation. I'm never going to find out who's coming to town or what I can win. So someone has to call me later and let me know just so I can get amped up from Hollywood, all right? I'll have Richie sort of clarify everything for you later so that you're not kept up, uh, you know, uh, awake tonight, staring sleeplessly at the ceiling in a cold sweat of anticipatory dread. <laughs> Or, Thank you, know, you. I whatever. appreciate it. Uh, so I don't even I don't know where to begin. Well, first of all, you were at the uh, you were at the Academy Awards. How was it? I was. It was fabulous. It was a great time. I got to walk the red carpet. I got to see stars up close. I got to go to the Governor's Ball afterwards. Uh, I got to hang out outside the Vanity Fair event, and that's where Jay Leno was eating double-double uh, animal stuff and now burgers because I had an In-N-Out truck there. It was a fabulous time. Seriously, like. I, I, I have to gloat. It was awesome, and I got to go neener, neener, neener. So I, th- I will say this, by the way, about uh, Hugh Jackman, which is that I think the ex- – and everybody I talked to before said this, and everybody who didn't see it was kind of still saying this thing, oh, Hugh Jackman, like what is the, what is the point? Because he just, he, he just seemed like, a, like an unlikely guy, but it really worked. He had a sort of effortless charm. To his, well, uh, exactly. To his a lot of people forget that, you know, he started out doing Broadway stuff, so singing and dancing uh, is, you know, totally natural for him. So I went into the event with those exact same thoughts that you were hearing, thinking, Hugh Jackman, I'm just not that into it. I want Ellen DeGeneres. But I got there and was floored. He was great, a great host. They did a lot of entertaining acts. The sets up close looked fabulous. Um, and, and everything, it, I really felt like I was one of those Vegas performances of, like, Cirque du Soleil, where you're kind of, like, wondering, am I looking at the right thing because you're noticing in your peripheral vision, stuff is happening everywhere. But I have to ask you this, though. Sarah and I were making this uh, observation to each other because we were at this uh, this sort of public screening of it here in Portland. And I don't know what the, like, I don't know if Reese Witherspoon just doesn't have anybody to tell her that she looks awful or if it's like, <gasps> or if the person just has some sort of a problem with her. Did you, and I can I can hear your, your inhalation uh, of surprise mm-hmm. that I said that, but Sarah was pointing out that, like, what is it, like a see-through bra that was not quite see-through? You know what I'm talking about? It was re- oh, the re- clear re- plastic? It was like thing? she had packing tape or something on underneath her it dress. Like mesh stuff that's supposed to be yeah, see-through so that the dress like doesn't fall down. Thin mesh uh, on, on the sleeves and whatnot. I have to admit, there's a lot of stuff that, because when I was in the auditorium, there were also television screens that you could see what was actually being broadcast. And um, she looked good in person, but when I scanned up to the screen, I noticed, ooh, that is photographing well. Same thing with even like Beyonce's dress and Queen Latifah. I, they look great in person, but they I was like, hey, they, the camera does put on 10 pounds because they look so much better in person, but it just wasn't televised well. And the, the camera also apparently puts uh, like uh, big black eyes on you too because that was the other thing with Reese Witherspoon is it looked like she'd been on like a nine-day uh, bender of some <laughs> kind. Like she hadn't even really been near sleep in you know, the better part of a week or something. And then the and then my, my final uh, question, and maybe you can speak to this, maybe you can't, the other kind of WTF that Sarah and I were having uh, over the course of the night, it was like an escalating. It was like, why is Jessica Biel there? Hmm. Why is Jessica Biel like in the second row? Wait a minute. Why is Jessica Biel on stage doing something? Is Jessica? Is, is there some sort of Jessica Biel renaissance that I wasn't informed of? 
No, uh, I'm kind of clueless as well. I don't know why Jessica Biel was there other than they probably just needed a presenter and everyone else said no. Um, <laughs> Nobody else was home. Because because it, it, I got to admit, it really did seem a little last minute because even her dress, because she's getting reamed on that dress, it looks like the dress wasn't made custom for her because it looked like it was a little too big and needed to be cinched in. So it seems like it was not a well-thought-out plan of going to the Academy Awards. Well, maybe she was just, it was something the housekeeper had on that she's like, you know, Matilda, get that dress off. I need to go. Um, yeah. what, what else are you uh, What else are you talking about at the TMZ, Katie Darrell? Well, the big story, obviously, uh, Charles Barkley officially uh, pled responsible to his drinking and drug case that occurred back on December 31st in Phoenix. Uh, he's going to do 10 days in jail. However, if he completes the alcohol program, kind of like an AA-type program, it will be brought down to five days. He's going to pay a $2,000 fine. Um, and Sheriff Joe Ohio out there in Phoenix said that if he gets his hands on uh, Charles Barkley, he will not be serving those five days in the downtown jail. He will be brought to Tent City. He will wear the pink underwear that all the inmates have to wear. And he'd like to try and team them up with uh, DMX and have them in the same uh, tent together. DMX, I saw he, he was... Uh, I was reading some news story the other day. I don't even... And here's the thing. I can't even keep track of why DMX is, is, is in jail now. I mean, it just seems like it's sort of a... Ro it's not just a like a like a grab bag of charges with that guy at any given moment, but some story about he's like, it's demeaning that I have to wear pink underwear. I am, uh, I am peeved by this whole situation. You know, and meanwhile, he's there for like having, I don't know, like a thousand pounds of crack or something at his house. So it's like you, you figure he'd well, prioritize his issues. Well, day for a long time with DMX. Every morning you'd wake up and read TMZ.com and see that there, he was arrested or being, uh, you know, sought after for something or another because it was a laundry every day a new thing was coming up against him. So, yeah, exactly. Who knows what he's actually serving on right now because there's uh, many things knocking at his door to have him serve hmm. next on. And this is like, and the, uh, Joe Arpaio is, is the guy, with, like, he, 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 like, I feed prisoners for one dollar a day or something. Like, he's the whole, like, like real, like, rough, hard justice guy. Yeah, he's into the justice. He's into humiliating. Um, he doesn't believe in things, you know. That's where Tent City came from is that he realized, you know, that the jail was overcrowded, but he didn't want people to not serve their time. So he just threw some tents, put some barbed wire fencing around it, and to live in these tents in the dead, you know, heat of the summer even out there in Phoenix while, you know, in pink underwear. I got to wonder if Charles Barkley has an easier or harder time, though, because he's – on the one hand, he's a celebrity, and you figure, you know, he's an, and he was an athlete, and so people are like, well, he was, you know, he's a big guy, and he was an athlete, so I'm gonna, you know, I'll take him down a peg or two. Like it's sort of a challenge. Like they want to, you know, like they want to be the guy to sort of like, you know, the, the guy to like to, to 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 screw with Charles Barkley. On the other hand, Charles Barkley doesn't. He seems sort of likable in in his, you know, in, in, like he's in such an obnoxious guy, but in a kind of a charismatic way. Like Charles Barkley is, yeah. I think, how you, like, not you, but like how, how like people would be if they were actually just given fame and fortune. Like he's, he just continues to be just kind of an ass, but in sort of a, in sort of a rakish kind of way that's somewhat appealing. Well, I agree. I think, you know, pe people generally like uh, Charles Barkley. I, I personally don't think he's going to have a hard time in there because, yeah, also remember, he's a big guy. I mean, he's like a bubba, all right? He's put on his weight after being in the NBA. So he's a big guy, and he is only an NBA, you know, star, but he's also a TV star. And these guys that are in jail, you know, kind of like him, and still, it, it'd be like if all of a sudden uh, little girls who, uh, you know, were we're then having to spend time with Paris Hilton. They're not going to pick on her. They like her. These guys aren't going to pick on Charles Barkley because they like him, probably. Excellent. All right. On that note, I will let you get back to your busy day. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. As always, it is a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you then. Thanks All for right. having me. Bye. Katie Darrell, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right.
Hello, Don Taylor. Hello. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Hello. All right, uh, Richie. Here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we'll take. Uh, well, we'll go. Well, we'll 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 take caller five here, but uh, beyond caller five. Kind of keep those folks on the line too, because if caller five kind of snuffs it, you know, on the guessing, we'll, uh, you know, we'll go to the next person. So we are going to. Uh, I hold now in my hand the information about this person coming to town, and uh, no guarantee. So would I know who this person is? Yes, yes, you would absolutely. Yeah. And here's a hint: it's not Alex Trebek. It's not. Wait. It's not. No, it's not. Carson Daly. No. Uh, so we will take a caller number five. Right now, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three. Seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. And I think because you guys combined probably did like six questions, we'll make it fourteen questions. Uh, we'll take a uh, caller five at five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. So if in fourteen questions uh, or less, fewer, less, fewer, you can uh, if you can deduce who it is that's coming to town. This uh, information I'm holding in my hand. Is it someone we can have on the show or something? Well, we're trying. We'll see. I'm generally excellent at uh, twenty questions, but five questions just it's. Is this someone that I would find hard. attractive? I would say yes. Even if you, I mean, look, here's the thing. You know who it is. I don't know if, like, if the person was in a lineup, if you go, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. But you, you are certainly aware of them. And I would say this, without reservation, uh, just without even the tiniest bit of hesitation, uh, equivocation, prevarication, I would say that you'd, uh, you'd be all over that. Oh, yeah? So yeah. we know it's not like us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a wait until he's down kind of a thing you just did there. Oh no, I would have said that. Wait, before. he's been disarmed. Hold oh, on. are you kidding? I, I weigh like a hundred pounds too much for one of Lycus's girls. <laughs> uh, anyway, so if you could do that, uh, this is what you will win. This is really uh, actually uh, pretty righteous. I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't I haven't seen this movie, but it's Body of Lies, which is that's like a uh, it's the was that Leonardo DiCaprio and Russell Crowe? Yes. And what is the uh, what is the deal with Body of Lies? What is it about? Um, it's a suspense thriller directed by Ridley Scott. So uh, it's very very stylish. Um, it's really well shot. It, I didn't care for it that much as a movie, but you know something. It's but it's actually it's a tidy little action. Or am I thinking of? Am I thinking of something else? It's entirely. But look, let's be honest. Ridley Scott, he's got like a one in five batting average at this point. I mean, it's. It, uh, don't get me wrong. So sad. I have to look at the internet to make sure I know what I'm talking. Yes. I love Ridley Scott and all, but I it, it, that guy is. Um, I would say that the longer he goes on, uh, the more that wine is being diluted back into water. That's just my uh, that's just my assessment of the situation. Yeah, it's a uh, CIA kind of operative thriller. I, and yeah, uh, DiCaprio's the uh, CIA guy, and Russell Crowe is his handler, and it's sort of an examination of uh, kind of the corruption and deception and uh, and backstabbiness of the spy game. So here is what we're going to be giving away. And this is the sort of thing that it kind of sounds cheesy, but it's actually really cool. I've, I've seen it. Uh, and it's they're calling it like a spy pack. But it's really, it's, it is like all, it's like a bunch of gadgets. It is a five pack of these really cool uh, gadgets. Included in the pack is a computer stash card, which is, that is, like it looks like a memory card that is attached to your computer, but really it's like this lockable thing that like in which you can put like your ID or a credit card or whatever. Uh, it's got a miniature digital camera voice recorder. It's got a doorstop slash alarm, which is like it looks you know like one of those little wedge door jams you put there. Mm-hmm. But the deal is that it also it is it doesn't really look like an alarm, but it is. And so if somebody comes into the room, it like sets off this 150 decibel uh, alarm. It That's is so cool. It's pretty fantastic. As I was looking at the stuff upstairs, I sort of covet it, and there isn't any set aside for me, which is fine. I'm just saying, uh, Rick Emerson covets these items, but you might win them. 
So uh, that is because of Body of Lies. Trust no one, deceive everyone. From the director of Gladiator and Black Hawk Down, the year's hottest action thriller, Body of Lies, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Russell Crowe now available on demand. Order Body of Lies tonight on demand in HD from Comcast Channel 1 or download it to own from iTunes. So, all right, we will take uh, whoever this might be. Uh, hello, sir or madam. How are you today? Hey, good. How are you? I am fantabulous. All right, we're going to give you 14 questions and... What you must do is identify the person about whom I'm speaking. In other words, I got in my hand here some information about somebody who's coming to town. I understand that lots of people are coming to town. This must be the person about whom uh, I was speaking earlier. If you can okay. identify that person in 14 questions or less, uh, you win this Body of Lies uh, gadget pack. All right. Are you, are you ready, sir? I am. All right. Begin. Um, a daytime talk show host? No. No. Um... Let's go, um, actor. Mm, on camera. On camera. Um, a morning talk show host. No. Okay. Um, man? Yes. <laughs> on camera. Ah, uh, crap. Uh, afternoon talk show host. No, no. I will say not a talk show host, not a At television. All. I mean, yeah, not a television talk show host of any kind. Talk, all right, you got uh, nothing. I got nothing, bro. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You have a good day. Thank you. You as well. All right, we got nine questions left. Uh, hello, who might this be? All right, thanks so much. That's an interesting I name. Appreciate your patience. That's wonderful. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Who might this be? This is Jen. Hello, Jen. All right, you have uh, nine questions left. If you can deduce the identity of this uh, this mystery person who is coming to town. And uh, I'll give you a little hint. Uh, I'm just doing everything I possibly can uh, to get this person on the show. I think I know who it is. Who might it be, Jen? Joel McHale? No. Oh, that would be Jonas. awesome. No. He is coming to town in April, though. Oh. And he's a good-looking guy. Only that no. was the name I held in my hand. Uh, here's okay, a, thanks. Let me, let, me, let me just be uh, embarrassed for a moment. I don't know who that is. From the soup. From the soup on You know, there is no soup for me after Greg Kinnear. He's so pretty good. The soup think he was died with enough. Greg Kinnear. The soup, with, the soup with Joel McHale is hilarious. All right. No, and John Henson, come on. Uh, he was hilarious. Skunk right. boy. All right. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Eight questions left. This bit isn't going so well. Seriously. I, I know who it is. All right, we're fine. I think I, well, I guessed it as soon as Rick started gushing because I know who he finds uh, to be handsome. Okay. All right, well, we're not going to, you know, we'll, we'll attempt it again later. Impatient sons of bitches. <laughs> oh, hang up now. Oh, they're right. talking about us. I'm like, we have nothing but patience as we sit here and watch you play. Right. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm trying to give something away. Something very good. It is that something is very cool. Heck of uh, I you, want that more stuffy thing. The, you know, the thing that goes in your computer is like righteous too. And there's uh, something else. It's like, I know something else. It's like you hook it up to your cell phone and it, like tapes everything or whatever. It's uh, it's very cool. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Who's this? This is Chris. All right, Chris. Uh, you got eight questions left. If you can deduce the identity of this person who's coming to town. Is he a news guy? No. Okay, then I don't have it. Sorry. <laughs> then I, I don't know who it is no. that either because I was thinking of a news There guy. is no follow-through anymore. Hey, Rick, you saw me mouth my guess. Am, am I right? You're totally right. Okay. There I got it. All right. Hello. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. You're part of the best bit that's ever been broadcast. What's your name? Uh, is it... Anthony Bourdain. It is. Oh. It is. It is. Oh, he well is a done, sir. Dreamy man. Yes. What is your name, sir? Dale. 
All right, Dale, my friend, uh, you have won the Body of Lies gadget pack, including a computer stash card, mini digital camera, slash voice recorder, and a doorstop alarm. Order Body of Lies tonight on demand in HD from Comcast Channel 1 or download it from iTunes. All right, it is Anthony Bourdain who is going to be in town uh, on May 29th. And uh, so we're, as Siegfried took me off to this, uh, he's like, hey, you'll be reading about this soon, but, it, you know, no now. Bourdain is coming to town. And then he ends it, quote, get your people on it. So our people are on it, sir. All right, I'm going to put you on hold. Richie will get your information. Congratulations, Dale. Thank you, Robert. All right, there you go. He comes okay. to town uh, on a fairly regular basis. I didn't know that, really. He comes to, yeah, he has friends here in Portland, and he comes to Portland. He was here um, about a year ago, and a friend of mine was walking down the street downtown and saw him and just kind of stopped and gave him that look like, oh, my God, I think that's Anthony Jordan. And he just looked at her and said, yes, it's me, and kept walking. <laughs> that is so great. <laughs> I love that guy. He is just such a badass. I mean, he's just the, he's the coolest guy who, who currently lives. I'd say right now. Yeah. I mean, here's the difference between him and John Hamm, let's say, is that John Hamm isn't John Hamm. He's, he's Don Draper. That's, it's like James Gandolfini is Tony Soprano. Anthony Bourdain is Anthony freaking Bourdain. Like, he's that guy. Yeah. Uh, he's, right now, for me, in my head, there is this category called... It's like the Sinatra category, which is, and, and that is defined by two things: that the, you know, the, the the ladies wish to get with him, but the guys all wish to be him. And a lot of times, it's easy to hate guys like that. Like a lot of times, there's just some pretty boy actor that you know, like all the chicks are into. Guys just automatically like f that guy, you know. And he's just like he just you know, it's like a jealousy and an anger and a hatred, and I'll kill him and you know, scar him if I ever see him. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, every single guy, you know. It, it, gets why he is so unbelievably cool, you know, and... Uh, Everything that Jack Nicholson was in, like, the early 80s, Bourdain totally. is times 10. He he really is. So, and he really is a modern-day renaissance man. I mean, you know, he's, he, you know, he's written, like, nine different books, and he does the TV show. Oh, and by the way, he's a master chef uh, at Le Hall in Manhattan, so... You know, it's all very exciting. All right, we'll take a quick break. Come back after this. More with Don Taylor. And in the next hour, Watchmen passes, ladies and gentlemen. Stay there. It's a Rick Emerson show. that Dawn's overshare of last week where she was talking about uh, her crazy pills and her sex drive. I will just say that, I mean, this is really on that level. I just asked Sarah how much longer we had in the break, and she goes, no, we're back in seven seconds. And so I said, okay, and I just shuffled back to the microphone here and turned it back on. I haven't gone to the bathroom in like a, an hour. I just went for the first time this past break. And you know, you and I are typically very... Usually uh, like every... That sounds gross. But we have a habit of, uh, look, you just go to, the, you go to the bathroom every single time there's a break, because, and that's just a... Thing that gets ingrained into you, I think, in certain the kinds of jobs, because you just you just never know when you get a well, chance or whatever. Yeah, we're in a tiny room, and sometimes we'll skip breaks and stuff. So you just gotta get it taken care of. Totally, and you know, especially like you know, when I was a kid, you know, there's a DJ, and there was just no automation, so it's like you you know, two minutes Archie record, like get to the bathroom and get it done. Like you, do, you know, otherwise it's gonna be dead air. You know, so you gotta get back before Palisades Park finishes playing. Um, but it, we go to right now, and Don Taylor is just so fascinating that we all just stay in here and talk to her. And so, I'm uh, awesome. All right. So the, <laughs> so the screaming wall of my bladder. Thanks, you, Don. 
You're welcome. Ew. Screaming wall of bladder is like the worst phrase I've heard all week. I am Jack's screaming bladder wall. And I keep expecting you to do what my dog does and just like walk over to the door and look at me. And then walk back to the like the walk over to the door and look at me again. Sort of like uh, I'm I'm walking here. I uh, I'm standing. Could you open this for me? Could I'm you looking. Could you open this? Uh, do you ever they, they wonder if dogs understand what it, if they just think it's a magical wall that just disappears sometimes? I don't know. Sometimes that wall's there and sometimes it's not. It's the darndest thing. I I, I usually tend to think the dog is smart enough to realize that I have to open the door because I have thumbs. But then there's the times when... I'm sure he thinks it exactly that. No, no, she's got the opposable digit. It's uh... Well, the thing is that you think the dog's that smart, and then it's like raining, and the dog goes outside and sees it's raining and turns and looks at you like, why are you doing this to me? What have I done to displease you? Make the water stop. And you're like, <laughs> yes, it's me. I'm doing it. And, and you also realize that, I mean, even though there is, and this is the last dog thing I'll, I'll say, um, I'll save the rest of them for the next time doggy palooza's in town. I never even talked about that. I read the Doggy Palooza, which was actually pretty great, but it's like it's the most emasculating name on earth. It was actually, I was fairly interested because they had this whole National Geographic thing about the evolution of wolves into into domesticated dogs, which is you know, really very intriguing. And John Lithgow's like, you know, talking about the, the thing about how you know every dog you see now, even like tiny little pink poodles or whatever, all from wolves, which is you know that kind of screws you a little bit. But then like you're like, yeah, so I saw this whole thing about wolves turning into dogs, and then you know, where Doggy Palooza, you know, and then it's. You know, and you just you, you, were there T-shirts? Could you t- could you have actually gotten a doggy palooza T-shirt? Yes. Also, mylar balloons. Um, so the the last thing I'll say is is this that you do wonder, even though there is a, a uniquely close relationship between domesticated dogs and humans, if on some level they do just view you as you know just another animal. Like if they view you apart from the animal world, or just as like. You know, like you're just a super ape to them, basically. No, 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 the tool-wielding ape is going to open the door for us. Hold on a second. But it can't make the rain stop yet. It's not, uh, no, several evolutions short of that ability. Uh, here's what's coming up in this hour. Uh, we will have news from Don Taylor in just one moment, and then uh, some film news as well. Uh, still to come inside the hour before we, uh, before we wrap things up, we will give away Watchmen passes, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to get through uh, some of this other stuff that's in kind of this ever-growing pile to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, Don Taylor. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Given our obsession here at the Rick Everson Show with both Facebook and the movie Idiocracy, yes. I have a story today from the Guardian newspaper uh, in England. Um, essentially, an expert speaking to the House of Lords about how social networking sites are making children stupid. Now... Before I go on, you always hear these stories. It's like, who is this person? Why do they say such things? Idiot. Uh, let me give the bona fides for this woman. She's uh, Lady Susan Greenfield, a British scientist, writer, broadcaster, whose specialty is the physiology of the brain. And she is a member of the House of Lords. She is professor of synaptic pharmacology at Lincoln College, Oxford. Uh, she has created three research and biotech companies. Uh, and she has received the French Legion of Honor. She's the future creator of the Crippen virus. Yes. <laughs> ah, nice one. Sorry. So she uh, spoke before the House of Lords uh, recently and uh, told them that she believes that ministers have not yet looked at the broad cultural and psychological effect of on-screen friendships via sites like Facebook, Bebo, and Twitter. She told the House of Lords that children's experiences on social networking sites, quote, are devoid of cohesive narrative and long-term significance. As a consequence, the mid-21st century mind might almost almost be infantilized, characterized by short attention spans, sensationalism, inability to empathize, and a shaky sense of identity. 
Uh, she also noted that uh, if the young brain is exposed from the outset to a world of fast action and reaction, of instant news screen images flashing up with the press of a key, such rapid interchange might accustom the brain to operate over such timescales. Perhaps when in the real world such responses are not immediately forthcoming, we'll see behaviors and call them attention deficit disorder. Uh, it might be helpful to investigate, she continued, whether the near total submersion of our culture in screen technologies over the last decade might in some way be linked to the threefold increase over this period in prescription for drugs for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Boy, Alex, I'll take who is a tight ass killjoy for a thousand? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, all right. Well, I don't, first of all, let me just say I don't care. I don't. Let me just. I have no stake in the outcome. Don't have kids. Not going to have kids. Be dead in 50 years. Don't care about anything that happens after that. So it doesn't matter to me. You know what? Be be brilliant. Be as dumb as a log. I don't care. It's not going to affect me. So you know what? I uh, I have I have no issues with whether all your kids are going to be uh, are going to be nitwits. Them, it's not going to. I don't pay no. Never mind. That I think, I think it's also worth noting that every new leap in technology, there is some expert who will say that this is just going to dumb us down further. Well, that's... Television, radio. I, I told someone when I first read this that, that there was somebody back you know, in the Pleiocene era saying, these kids with their wall-based pictographs, <laughs> they're just all going to end up dumb. So, this is the uh, guy with an onion on his belt outside bitching about the cave paintings. Yes. They're just in there staring at that static picture of a buffalo all night. I mean, I tell them, go out, hunt a mastodon, run, jump. Uh, you know, the, the, here's like, my thing is, well, I think you just nailed it first of all. You said that every single advance in technology, you know, it, it, like, oh, I mean, I, I guess we can talk about whether she might be uh, correct or not in a second. But every time somebody like this speaks, and it's always about something brand new. Like they're never warning you about like the stuff that's around, like you know, that, that actually probably is doing something to you. It's always like the thing that's just emerged, because I think everybody wants to be the first person to identify whatever the pathology is. Everybody wants to be the person to like be able to plant their like Hillary flag on it. Uh, that's Edmund Hillary, and and be sort of like, and I have named this Space Invaders Wrist. Like I just, do you have that thing that it was just like the PlayStation's going to give you quote irregular lumps all over your hands? <laughs> Which I'm just saying it right now, made up. The calling it right now is complete fabrication. I haven't read the story. I don't know anything about the story beyond the headline because that's all I read because I was raised by a television and I can't focus. Well, remember, we were all going to get brain tumors for our cell phones. Mm. We were all going to have carpal tunnel mm. syndrome from our, our computer mouses. I mean... And so every time something like this happens and the woman is like, why this technological advance is really going to be a massive step backward for humanity, you just picture like the weird gray-haired scientist in every 1950s movie going... Once that technical genie was out of the bottle, it can't be put back in again. And then they cut, uh, you know, to like Rod Steiger being attacked by giant ants or something. So, I mean, it's, I just instinctively disbelieve anything that anybody says when it has that tone to it. I will say, though, is there ever like a, like a uh, I don't know if it's still the case, but like a cell phone, and they'll tell you that thing with the battery where like every now and again, you have to run the battery all the way down before you charge it. Because they, they say that like, if you just charge it, after using it only a little bit, that, like, the battery somehow, like, learns that it can only be charged a little bit, which always seemed kind of made up, but the guy at the store was always, like, real strident about it. It's like, every now and again, you got to just uh, leave the phone on for no real reason and run the battery all the way down. So it does seem like if maybe you're just sort of, if it's like a, re uh, like a muscle memory thing, but with, your, but with your, uh, your brain, where you're training it to look for something new, like, every seven seconds, then, I mean, maybe there's something to be said for that. But, I mean, on the other hand, 
I mean, who really? I mean, it, it seems like that's just going to make your whole brain more efficient. You're going to be able to analyze and process things a lot faster. Well, she makes uh, some interesting points. I mean, it's a good. It's a. It's on the uh, the Guardian's website, uh, guardian.co.uk, and it's um it's worth reading. I think it's interesting, even if you end up not agreeing with it. Uh, she makes a point that there's a risk of loss of empathy as children spend more time playing games and less time reading novels. Whereas a game is all about you know, pushing the button, save the princess, kill the thing. You're not actually getting into the motivations or the story of the princess herself. And it's all about just completing the goal without any backstory or context. And so she's concerned, she mentions that perhaps a sense of identity can be eroded by fast-paced instant screen reactions. Uh, and that perhaps, you know, the next generation will define themselves more by the responses of others. This is like a weird thing where I expect you to like unzip and your Quetzal Levine inside. <laughs> you know? Am I being pretentious? No, no, no. It's not that I'm just, no, it's just, you're not, you're just being, um, there's no other way. You're just being real smart and like, <laughs> care, real smart. and caring about things. I know. And, I, and, I usually and, hide that really well. And you have like, things. it's like this weird, like, sense of social responsibility that I can hear coming out of you, which is totally foreign, <laughs> uh, certainly to me, and I would say uh, to this show in general most of the time. So, I mean, it's charming. I don't understand it, but it's... Uh, it's just like the Dennis Fitzenbarger thing. It's it's like uh, the, the dog reading the book. <laughs> oh, dog playing the piano, <laughs> totally. The uh, Like a fish riding a bicycle. So it's, it's endearing. It's just sort of confusing to me. Don't, it's you so know? cute when you, like, talk smart no, no, no. I'm No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, it is it is moments like this when I realize just how relentlessly juvenile and, and just, like, mushy my brain is most of the time. I mean, because that's... And that's, I think, the other reason why s stories like this kind of bug me, because I... You know, here's like here's the thing that irritates me. I won't identify... This will make this, like, a little mini you-know-who-you-are. Uh, I, won't, I won't bother to crank out the, the music better. Oh, why not? I love the music. No, because it, because it really is just the tiniest thing, and, and I wouldn't even really... It, like, it's not a thing that bugs me all the time. I was... This is like a layer. This is like a thing inside a thing. I was on somebody's MySpace page the other day, and it is somebody that um, it's somebody that I have known for quite some time, and somebody that I know well enough that I know for a fact. I'll just it's it's, it's a woman. I'll just say it, it, I know for a fact she's smart. And again, I know that sounds condescending, but I'm saying this is not like just some person you know and like, you know, just some jackass at the office. Like, you know, who wants to like tell you about like, I'm going to go out and get wasted tonight. Yeah. You know, and then they all sound like Todd on on Code Monkeys. Um, but so I know that she's, you know, I know that she's she's smart and she's like very, she she's kind of one of us. You know, mm -hmm. when, you know she, she thinks about stuff. And whatnot, and you know, she sees uh, she sees multiple layers and facets to everything, and and she's very uh, politically active, and she's very socially conscious, and she's you know very. And if she doesn't understand something, or if she wants to form an opinion on something, she educates herself about it. And so I mean, you know, so she's, so she's not just like she shoots her mouth off about stuff, um, but she's one of those people that is just stridently, like infuriatingly anti-television. And she has, you know, one of those people that has bumper stickers like, you know, like, kill your television, it's making you stupid, or whatever. Or, you know, or, or uh, you know, strike a blow for intelligence, turn off your TV, which just strikes me as A, pretentious, B, alienating to everybody around you, C, as falsely superior to everyone, uh, and D, just like flat out wrong, because I, I think television gets a bad rap. You were talking about how badrap.org or com or whatever for pit bulls. I think TV gets a bad rap. 
And I'm telling you right now, I'm speaking to somebody who was raised by the television for, for most of my life. I mean, and, and I think probably every generation after me you know, has it to, to an even greater degree. It probably is an exponential sort of a thing. But I was raised by the television and by other forms of electronic media, and I think I am a better person for it. Not just saying that reflexively, like I've got to somehow defend it it's, uh, you know, because it's a thing that, you know, because it's how I grew up. But television... There's nothing inherently better uh, or worse about television than any other medium. It's all about what you're watching and what you're getting from it and how you... Yeah, um, nobody's whatever. forcing you to watch according to Jim. You can watch, you know, programs about marine biology on the Discovery Channel. There's a lot to learn on television. You see, but now, we're, now you're doing a thing again <laughs> where I'm like, for example, I can name every Three's Company roommate in order. and you're all, But you have to pre, you prematurely undercut it by going... So you could watch shows about marine biology and study the interior of a white dwarf. Okay, I watch Gossip Girl. Do you I, really? If I admit show. that, well, well, yes, I do. I watch right. Gossip Girl. Good for you. I did, I did want to share one quote here because I loved this quote in this piece. Uh, Greenfield talks about how the appeal of Facebook for children may lie in the fact that um, previous generations actually had a three-dimensional world you know, of of people in the street and getting out that they talk right. to, and that uh, kids can find home every evening. They're not going out and socializing and running around because it's dangerous. There's pedophiles in danger. They may find that the keyboard gives them a freedom of interaction and communication they don't have otherwise. But she says that she fears, and this is the quote from her, real conversation in real time may eventually give way to these sanitized and easier screen dialogues in much the same way as killing, skinning, and butchering an animal to eat has been replaced by the convenience of packages of meat on the supermarket shelf. Well, I think that tells us all we need to know about Well, it is true, though. I mean, because, like, you used to make a phone call, and now all people do is text message. You know, but can I just tell you, I, for one, embrace our text messaging oh, overlords. I... But see that, but, but I mean, I like it sometimes. But I mean, you go back like, and forth on that because sometimes you say that you like. You told me a while back that you actually embraced it. You I don't like text message it. conversations. I like. Do you want to meet here at five o'clock? Yes. Okay, that's it. That isn't more on a phone call. But if someone's like, "What are you doing today? How have you been? I'm doing good." And like, I'd rather just have that yeah. in like a couple yeah. minutes on the phone. Email. And I am texting. I'm in favor of anything that enables me to communicate with someone without having to actually have a conversation. See, but that, that's my thing. That's why I love text messaging so much because the phone call you're talking about, about, well, if you're going to have a long phone call about what did you do and how are things, you're on the phone, I don't ever have those conversations at all. Mm. Like, I, that's my thing. It's like, it's not like it's replacing or supplanting those phone conversations for me. Because I just don't, I know this sounds strange, but I don't like talking on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. Talking on the phone, like socially or any, like it, it, like everything else, if it's here in the studio uh, and in, you know, in front of a live microphone, I can do it with ease, do it with a smile on my face, because it's like I'm not really doing it at all. Uh, once I leave uh, the studio, it, the studio is like this weird, you know what this is? The studio is like one of those uh, things like one of those swimming pools where they put like uh, like uh, like kids who got bad stumpy legs or something, and it's like I can stand for the first time in my life or whatever. Where like you know like where the gravity somehow doesn't or that thing where they what is that jet that simulates zero gravity? And there was some thing where it's like I don't know some guy who was never able to like stretch his arms out or something before. Like they put him in zero gravity and for the first time ever. Like the rules of physics are suspended and he's able to use his body. That's what this room is like uh, for me. But just in an emotional sense. <laughs> well, people may not take it completely seriously. They hear you talk about this, but it's absolutely true because uh, we were both at the Booyah Awards on Saturday, and, and uh, Aaron Duran got down. And we were like, "Yeah, we're putting on a show. Woo! Look at us. We're doing our thing." And Court and Fatboy are both there, and, and and Bobby's running around and talking to people and doing stuff. People and 
somebody finally said, said something. Somebody mentioned the show. So they said, "Well, Rick's here." I said, "Oh, he is." He said, yeah, he's, he's over there behind the bookshop, hiding in a corner. In the corner. Yeah. So then I had to go like find you and, and seek you out to say hi because you were just off uh, up against a wall. Yeah, I know. I think I said like two two words for you. It's like, okay, Rick's hiding in the corner. I think I was literally actually in a corner too, just like, like so I could see if anybody was going to try to speak to me, which makes me sound like a jerk, and I don't mean to sound like a jerk. It's just I. And I also don't mean to sound crazy, though I clearly am. I just don't. I the interacting with people on the phone is the same way. I just never. I just feel like like a tool all the time. I just never feel. I always feel like whatever I'm saying is dumb. And I'm not saying it. You know, I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm just saying when I talk on the phone to somebody, I just feel like I am immediately uh, just back in high school. Everything that comes out of my mouth is just like landing like a brick. You know. It's 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 like a some sort of it's like the phone or just personal interaction. It's like that's my gold kryptonite. Where I'm still alive, it's just all my powers have been neutralized. You know, that's exactly what it is. And here's I'll give you this one final insight into Rick's uh, funhouse mirror of a brain. Here's what I was thinking uh, at the Geek in the City Awards on Saturday because Dom was there and. And Sarah was there, and we were all kind of, you know, you know, we were all kind of planets that were sort of kind of in the overlapping orbits, but not the same orbit. Because Sarah was on her way to do something with, you know, your your girlfriends were there, and Lars and we later. Well, well, Lara was like, oh, I mean, you met my friends. I did. They all loved you. And Lara told me later, she's like, hey, so um, did Sarah take off? And I said, oh yeah, this isn't this isn't for Sarah. And she said, what do you mean? I go, I go, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, like Sarah came and they hung out for a while, and I'm like, this is not like, you know, like Sarah's not, you know, like Sarah's got like. A life, you know, outside of like no, the I mean, I like it, but I mean, I also get nervous too, like you know, being around like like a bunch of listeners and stuff. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's like this is not like it's it's a thing that you did, but it's a thing where I, I know that you've also got a lot of other stuff going on because you have you were like your social interaction is similar to mine, but not exactly. So mm-hmm. we overlap. So we overlap for a while at the film fever thing, and then like you go one way, and I had some other stuff to do, and I went to Wednesday 13 or whatever. Um, so we're all kind of there. But again, without like the magical saline pool of the radio show, I just don't know what I'm doing. So I'm talking to Don Taylor, and so we're talking about something or other, and Siegfried's there, and so we're talking about the the, the about Coraline. Siegfried, by the way, who introduced himself to me by walking up and saying, "So who the hell are you?" Yeah, he's a real charmer. <laughs> he's very graceful. Um, and so you, Don, and I are having this conversation. We're talking about whatever. And in the back of my head, this is actually the sort of, um, this is like the director's commentary that's going on in the back of my head as Don and I are actually speaking to each other in person, mind you, face-to-face at the Geek in the City on Saturday. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, this is so awkward. I don't know what I'm doing. I probably sound like a retard. I can't wait till we're back in the studio again on Tuesday talking to each other in person but behind microphones so I can be charming again. Uh I'm so not charming. I'll be able to talk to Don like a normal person when I'm on the radio. I don't know what I'm doing here. She thinks I'm stupid. It's funny. Like, whenever I have you over and I, like, I'll have a party, like, for my birthday party, like, Rick will come and he just kind of stands in the corner and he's like, like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, he'll meet my friends. And he's met them before, but when he doesn't have the microphone or anything, it's a completely different creature. It's so funny because, like, I'm used to talking to you. I'm just like, hey, what's up, buddy? How are you? And you're just like, I'm doing well. I have my visa. And, it, and it's like that thing of, you know, you'll hear sometimes people use that analogy of, like, well, you know, you just got to get him out of his shell. It, for me, it's like when I'm not here, it, 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 I am a turtle that has been forcibly removed from its shell and set down on a sunny beach with, uh, you know, like velociraptors lurking around. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know how to, I'm afraid of everything. I turned it to my dog Philo, basically. Where exactly. I just, you uh, wonder you know, why Philo's Now you know where he gets it from. Seriously. All right. I had something else to say, but now it seems like we're gone. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway.
And television. Oh, and she also sends me, like, like really angry messages about, you know, I should become a vegan. Also not going to happen, by the way. So you're great, but no. <laughs> Do I know uh, this person? No, no. It's okay. uh, somebody I knew. Uh, I know them from somewhere else. And it's just, you know, somebody that I really respect. And the thing is, it's my one final thing is, isn't it nice when you meet somebody that you really violently disagree with, and then it turns out that they're basically just stupid, because then you can just disregard it. Right? Mm. You can go like, well, of course, you're an idiot. So I don't have to worry about that. But then when you know somebody who's really smart, but they are absolutely on the opposite side of an issue as you, and you kind of go, well, I, and then you can't just dismiss them. Uh, and then, then it kind of, then my head gets into some infinite, like, go to 10 loop where I just don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, but retard. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Back after this with Watchmen Passes. Talk to Don about uh, films uh, coming out on DVD and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program on AM 970. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Dave Schmidtke. And from Willamette Week, Kelly Clark. Uh, it is 503... Who you will not touch. I never touched Kelly Clark. I never touched her! Should have seen the way she was dressed. Uh, it's uh, it, it's all a blur. The bad Rick might have done it. It's 503... And I, I have a Silence of the Lambs dream last night. Did I tell you that? Speaking of, uh, you know... That's weird. It's because I was thinking about Anthony Hopkins on the Oscars and how much he looks like Malcolm McDowell. It's like they've become the same person. Also, Steve Martin has become W.C. Fields. It's all it's everybody. And I used a I used a uh, a tamer version of this joke on Sunday uh, when I said that uh, Jerry uh, Lewis was he was auditioning to play uh, Ed Sullivan. And really, what I wanted to say is Jerry Lewis is obviously auditioning to play Dick Clark. But I didn't say that because the crowd didn't seem like the kind that would have embraced such humor. So and they missed they missed the boat with the whole Jerry Lewis thing because the only reason everybody was like looking forward to seeing Jerry Lewis speak at all is because he's such a loose cannon right. and he's such a bitter angry women aren't funny like, yeah and then he just got out there and he just read directly off the teleprompter and said thank you I like you all I'm well so it's because it was for the MDA though because that's like his that's his yeah, thing I, I mean know, it's you know still just wouldn't you have loved to have him just yeah, I'm glad to get the, all, this award from all you people who are in favor of gay marriage, which I hate. You know, just went off on some kind of crazy rant. Well, and every time you see Jerry Lewis, it's like a contest in advance of, like, how big will his head be? Not, like, figuratively speaking, like, actually, how large will yeah. his head be? Because occasions, like, he's just storing nuts or something in there. I mean, it's like he's just got the big... He's he's like one of those one of those kids that had the big, like, sloshy, like, you know, like the, 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 water, the water-filled head. You know what I'm talking about? What is that thing? You know where, like, your head's a big, like, it's full Hydrocephalic? of... Hydrocephalic? That. Uh, like, occasionally, it's like... He... I'm sorry, am I being smart again? No, I'm just saying, like, okay, he looks like the Headless Horseman sometimes, you know, but, like, with but with the pumpkin head. You know, like, tiny little, yeah. tiny little, little like, uh, slender body, big, round pumpkin head. It's because he was, like, probably taking, like, cortis cortisone, steroid kind of stuff for 
old guy illnesses and things. Because like uh, remember you had that big puffy round. I suppose it's just like face. I, and I don't mean this in a cruel way. I don't understand how it is that he's still alive though. Because hasn't Dean Martin been dead for like twenty years now? I think just the sheer force of his anger and rage. His hate keeps him alive. Just his hate. And yeah. probably he stole some of Dean's stem cells. You know, like at the last moment too. Bastard. All right. Maybe it's like uh, Chris Reeve on South Park. He's actually like sucking up the stem cells from the MDA kids, and and that's uh, keeping him alive. That's Don Taylor from Film.com who said that, by the way. Uh, never mind. I was going to say one more comment, but you know what? I held it back. All right. Hey, Richie Bristol. Here's what we're going to do. I don't. Uh, I guess we've got calls or something. So here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna. We're going to take these calls, and then as soon as I take these calls, we're going to uh, we're going to take caller number five for your shot at Watchmen passes, and. This contest is irresistibly titled, Bought for a Song. Uh, and so what it is, is you're going to have to sing a 60-second ad hoc song here on the program, over the telephone, about your superpower and what it would be. Uh, it doesn't have to be a parody, doesn't have to be to an existing melody or to a real song. Uh, but when we say go, you must sing for 60 seconds without stopping about your superpower and what it would be. You must mm-hmm. sing for 60 seconds, and if you can do that, you will get a pair of passes to see Watchmen at the special screening that, like, the average is not like the uh, the big cattle call screening where it's like every every jackass who can find his way to a mall somewhere gets to watch it. This is a, this is a very, kind of an exclusive deal. So it is uh, for uh, Watchmen, and so we're going to give you the uh, going to give you the order to call here in just a moment. Uh, let's do a couple of these before we do that. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hi, I just wanted to reiterate what you were saying yesterday about how great Sarah looked in her outfit at that. Uh, at the contest last, the film contest last night at the at the Oscars on Sunday, yes. Yeah, you said that she doesn't wear a lot of low cut things, and I think that she should wear more. <laughs> best show ever. Duly noted, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's get back to talking about that guy's mom. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I, after your uh, rant, you were just talking about how goofy you are off the air. I thought the perfect analogy is that you're the Michael Jackson of the radio world. Every day you moonwalk across the radio waves to everybody and then once you're off the air and done performing you're kind of don't deal with people well i guess and your nose is falling off <laughs> and i sleep in a hyperbaric chamber yeah hey i was gonna tell you <laughs> that little yeah, yeah that was like what absolutely <laughs> see- oh come on pass me that jesus juice uh, oh, rick wow. emerson uh Lizzie, yep, you, you, you sleep in a bed. We believe you sleep in a hyperbaric. Why is it wrong to share your bed with somebody? <laughs> all right. Um, and yes, all right. And I, uh, I don't really think I have anything else to say. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here is uh, uh, Don Taylor. You have, well, I guess there's actually some movie news. You got yeah. some uh, film news. And so what we'll do is, uh, Richie, we're going to take uh, caller five here, and we'll hold on to six and seven as well. We'll take caller five right now. Uh, for your chance to win a pair of passes to see Watchmen at the upcoming screen. It's happening on Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. And this is, again, it's not wide open to the public. So it's not like a thing you can just go and like stand in line and you'll get in. Uh, this is exclusive. There's only a finite number of tickets for this. So we are going to um, give away a pair of passes to that. If you can uh, sing a 60-second ad hoc song to us here on the radio about your superpower, and what it would be. It's 503-733-2970. And your superpower, by the way, can, you know, it can be anything. It can be like you sneeze marbles. Doesn't matter. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We will start with caller 5 uh, right now. And by right now, I mean after we talk to Don Taylor. Uh, well, today is the day that the DVDs hit the street. And there's a few that are really interesting. I have two in particular I wanted to point out. Uh, first, it's worth mentioning that for anime fans, Akira is out on Blu-ray. 
today. So if you're an anime fan and you're a Blu-ray viewer, Akira, um, Futurama's new straight-to-video film, Futurama Into the Wild Green Yonder. Wait, the, the, the other one just came today. out like a week ago, it seems it like. It seems like it, I know. Because that was the, uh, they did uh, Bender's Big Score, Beast with a Thousand Backs. What was the one they just did? It I didn't the, see the, any of those. Are they worth yeah, watching? Yeah, so I was talking to you about it when I came in here. So I can't remember the it's name. It's the one with the knife guy. Uh, and it's like a Lord of the Rings, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. It's um, Bender's Game. Yes. Bender's Game. Uh, you know what? Uh, they get uh, poorer and poorer as they go along. Uh, Bender's Big Score is far and away the best one. Mm. Beast with a Thousand Backs or a Billion Backs or whatever it is, that's okay. Bender's Game is, is all right. It has its moments. Uh, really, it's just that show is not meant to be a movie. It's not meant. It's like the Simpsons thing. It's not meant to be stretched. To 90 minutes, uh, it, it, and it, you and you can tell because when you watch them, it feels like episodes stitched together. Don't get me wrong, I love Futurama, mm-hmm. and even the bad Futurama movie is better than most animated stuff, most stuff, period. Yeah. But it's a, uh, you know, it's not to the quality of the show. There's just no getting around that. So, um, so first I'll, I'll get the pretentious sounding one out of the way first. Uh, for fans of Dario Argento, horror master. Uh, his 1972 film Four Flies on Gray Velvet is out today on DVD for the very first time. It's uh, from 1972. It was intended as his last film uh, that he made in the giallo uh, genre, which is an Italian uh, film genre that basically... Uh, so the guy that did Suspiria? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, basically combines crime fiction and mystery with horror and eroticism. Uh, the, just as an aside, giallo means yellow in Italian, and so it's named for the yellow pulp fiction covers of these certain kinds of paperbacks. But anyway, uh, it's actually a very good film. Uh, the Giallo films of the 70s actually are very influential on modern horror and suspense uh, in Western films today. Uh, it has a really nice score by Ennio Morricone, so if you've ever liked Argento, that's one you can look for, uh, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. And uh, then just a personal favorite, I've been on the internets, I've been watching an Australian TV show called Summer Heights High, which uh, comes out on DVD today. Uh, it's by uh, the, done by a uh, comedian named Chris Lilly, and in the sort of Christopher Guest mockumentary style, it's about a high school, Australian high school, and he plays three different characters. Uh, he plays Jonah, a uh, Tongan teenager, an at-risk uh, 13-year-old with a foul mouth, he plays uh, Mr. G, the effeminate drama teacher, and he plays a uh, a exchange student, basically a girl who is now coming to public school for the first time from private school, named named Jamay. Her name is spelled like Jamie, but right. it's got a little hyphen in the middle. It's Jamay. And then I have a little clip here, if I have and sound. this is clean, you said? This is clean. I'm going to dally uh, This it. is when uh, Jamee uh, comes to the school for the first time. I believe it's from the actual first episode. And she goes and gives a, uh, a presentation at a school assembly about herself so they, they can get to know her a little better. And so, let's see. Thank you, Mr. Cameron, for your welcome. And thank you to the traditional landowners of Summer Heights, the Wurundjeri people. My name is Jamee, J-A apostrophe M-I-E. Weird name, I know, but you'll get used to it. You mind this like a 30-something-year-old yes, man playing this character? Yes, I come from one of the most expensive private girls' schools in the state, but I'm actually really cool. Please don't be intimidated by me. People always go, private schools create better citizens, but I would say they create better quality citizens. Studies have shown that students from private schools are more likely to get into uni and end up making a lot more money, while wife beaters and rapists 
are nearly all public school educated. Sorry, no offense, but it's true. I'm sold. <laughs> That's the way of my heart. All right. So Excellent. yes, it's 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 quite hilarious, and uh, it is it is on uh, DVD today. That's uh, Summer Heights High. All right. Well, well recommended, Don Taylor. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. All right, uh, sir. Do you think we should break into the scene that Yes. I say, just slurring my words into just a stew of like open-ended vowels. Jimmy. All right. Back after this, uh, we will go to the folds, as they say, and uh, see if we can get these watchmen passes away, ladies and gentlemen. Stay there. Uh, best of like is at 3. Michael Mary show at 7. Phil Hendry at 11 p.m. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. That didn't take long. Wait, wait, I finished my L.A. Law thing, and it took about seven seconds for Don and I to start talking about drugs. <laughs> uh, prescription drugs. So, no, my thing with Trazodone, real quickly, is just that I have to calculate, like, if, if I got almost no sleep last night, I had to get up this morning at like 6 or whatever, but it's like, if I am not going to be able to get at least five hours of sleep, if I can't sleep for at least five hours, I realize I can't take it, because then it just stays in my system, and it does this thing, it says, and I realize it actually says on the label, may cause dizziness, which I finally discovered when I read the label real carefully the other day. Cause I got up the other morning after having slept for four hours and taken a trazodone, and I got up, and then I just passed out on the kitchen floor. Like, hey, I'm awake. Bam. Hey, I'm, a, I'm on the oh, kitchen geez. floor. So... Yeah, I went about a week without refilling my prescription and was doing things like, oh, oh I'm going to have trouble. I'll take a Benadryl, as I said. And I refilled the Trazodone, and I hadn't taken it for a week, so it was all completely out of my system. And I did think I took it like a half an hour to an hour before you need it, and I took it, and I was in the living room playing a game on the computer or something. And I was like, we're going to go to bed now, and I stood up and went, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Chemicals. <laughs> all right. Uh, hello, who might this be? Hello. Hello. Hi. Who Who is this? Anne. Hello, Anne. How are you today? That may or may not be my real name. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, mm -hmm. Anne, are you uh, prepared to sing a 60-second song of your own creation about what your superpower would be? Uh, yes. All right. What is your superpower, Anne? Okay. I'd like to have the power to make people not fart. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's try to keep this clean for the air, please. Oh, hmm. Well, I won't. I won't use any uh, cuss words. How about that? All right. Well, let's see what this sounds like, huh? Sarah, are you? Uh, do you have an eye on the clock? Mm-hmm. All right. Ready? Rick yep. Emerson is taking a deep breath. All right, and go. Oh, I wish I had the power to make people not fart, especially the guy at work who's old and can't even hear them. He <laughs> he lets them out and needs a hearing aid because he can't hear them at all. And everyone in the back of <laughs> everyone behind him can hear them and is laughing behind his back. <laughs> Keep saying okay. What? Was that again? Oh. A long time. Keep singing. No, oh, that's a fail. I'm oh. sorry. No. And she wasn't singing. She was talking. <laughs> It was a sing-songy thing. Well, it started kind of off as a sing-songy thing, but then it... And it also started off as a you-know-who-you-are, I suspect. Yes. And then yeah. it, was, it was shunted into this category. 60 well, seconds is a long time to have to sing. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. So the yeah, but the uh, the uh, the alternate contest is going to be that you had to speak for 90 seconds and you couldn't say, uh. Wow. Which is difficult to do. It know. is. So, all right. It is at 503-733-2970. Uh, we will try to get... Yeah. Do it again. We'll do it again tomorrow, and we do it. Do it live. And we have a finite number of these, and don't uh, do not fret, ladies and germs, because we're also going to be giving away a whole uh, fistful of them 
via the website on Thursday, and uh, that's going to be kind of exciting as well. So uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, again, we will be doing it Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Watchman Passes. So tomorrow also, Kelly, uh, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week and Dave Schmidtke. Don Taylor, uh, parting words before you go. Um, I just love all of you. Do you really? Was, yes. We love you too, Tom. Okay. It was it was actually very cool seeing you guys on Saturday mm-hmm. at the awards. So I was, was cool fun. to meet your husband too, who was wearing the best shirt ever. Pleased to be saying what your husband's shirt said. Uh, it said, "I hate your children," which is great. And you actually sell that. I made that shirt. Where can I people sell, buy that? Uh, you could get it at my printfection dot com store. Uh, the store is uh, Cinema Sideshow at Printfection. So yeah, it's a shirt that says, "I hate your children." But when you say Cinema Sideshow at well, yeah, it's, it's, it's like Cafe Press. Ah, but it, the, so the you store get a is... and the store is Cinema Sideshow. Excellent. By the way, Dan Clark uh, says, because the world needs more plastic serial killers, a Dexter action figure is in the works. Oh, Best cool. part? Oh. Comes with a plastic bag full of tiny severed body parts. Yes. I love this country. I like oh. what I'm hearing. And television. <laughs> All right. And shiny things. All right. Uh, we want to thank uh, CNN Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins. Uh, Ed McCarthy and Steve Kasterman for joining us today. Also, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com and Don Taylor from Film.com. Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day with all the intelligent Sarah Stillen for Amelon Sevy, the talker in the newsroom, Don Taylor on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, is Dave Zinn, the webmistress, is Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Best of like is next. Michael Mara show at 7, Phil Henry at 11. See you tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. As always, watch out for sports. Thank you for listening. Be safe. See you tomorrow. Bye now.